Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and happy hump day from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, we're all here in the studio, and you can see us on the Air Alliance team studio cam. Hop on your old YouTube and uh, type in 101 ESPN STL. Subscribe so that you see us all the time on the YouTube. It's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Good, good to see you. I, we haven't yeah. seen you in a... I feel like a... A little bit. Yeah, a couple days like, off. Yeah, I like a while. Yeah, what, like a week back. Yeah, yeah, yeah about <laughs> about a week back. I think. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, set you might have set the record. Well done. Yeah, I think you, I think you may have. Yeah. Uh, did you guys have fun? Well, I was. I had fun. I was down at the uh, Brian Jordan Foundation Golf Tournament in Atlanta, and it was great. A lot of former Cardinals there. A lot of former major leaguers, and it was fun to uh, visit with Brian Jordan, who's just a prince of a guy, and. I, I hope that he gets an opportunity to do more here in St. Louis. He's a free agent broadcaster. Mm. He'd be great with the Cardinals. Uh, hint, hint, everybody that's listening from uh, the, the Cardinals nudge, that might uh, yeah. be, be in, the, in the broadcasting business, uh, Brian Jordan would, would be fantastic. But he has this tournament every year, and he provides 150 scholarships to kids, plus provides literacy programs for uh, for thousands of kids and he's just an amazing human being and one of my all-time favorite cardinals so it was good to participate down there and my team with tony womack the 2004 cardinal second baseman best cardinal team ever we won the tournament i was gonna ask if you guys won we did thank you to uh, to tony good job nice. yeah, good guy yeah good guy. we we didn't because we had lost edgar renteria after 04 we didn't realize what we were losing in Tony Womack. Last guy before Yadier Molina to ever wear number four for the Cardinals. Now it'll be not, never be worn again. Wow. Very nice. Good. Here's we got what we got coming up on the show. Uh, we've got uh, Jamie Rivers coming up at 8.15. And then a couple of the young St. Louis sports stars. Robert Thomas with us at 9. And Nude mm. coming up at 9.15. Brooke, thanks for setting that up. Yeah. You know, as the president and CEO of the Lars New Bar Fan Club, I've been working hard to get Lars on here. And mm-hmm. he's heading out to Japan for a little bit. And so we are able to get him before he heads out to Japan. And that's how you're going to you're gonna like preface all your questions today, correct? <laughs> with what? Just, About Japan? Hey, Lars. This is um, this is Brooke Grimsley, president no, of your fan club. I, uh, I just want to know earlier this season. 
into it. I yeah. just think every single question, that's how you have to preface it. Look, yeah. here's the thing. He does know. He does know about it. I told yeah. him, like, you don't have to worry. I'm, it's not anything weird not or anything that's like strange. that. Not stalking you or anything like that. Just a big fan. I of think he likes Farias. having a fan club, too. That's oh. my impression. Yeah, he likes having a fan club, and his fan club is pretty big now. He has, like, over a million followers oh, on Instagram. Cool. A, mu- a million nutty neuters of Newt Nation. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. There, we are everywhere. We're international, like if you will. <laughs> hey, how about this? Uh, the tw- the Astros beat the Twins <laughs> to take a 2-1 series lead in that American League Divisional Series. And last night, it was the Orioles over the Orioles, according to this sheet, 7-1. to one. <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? I don't know. With the know. Rangers sweat, 3-0. <laughs> you see, we, we go by that. If it's on the we, sheet, we we're it. just going to say it. Ooh, yeah. yep. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, Orioles over the Orioles. Actually, but the Rangers right? did sweep the, 3-0. The that, is, that is on there. Did sweep the 100-win Orioles How'd 3-0. How did the Rangers get in there? Yeah, a 7-1 win last night. I don't know. Uh, and so the Rangers, under Bruce Bochy, are going to play in the American League Championship Series. And if the Astros win one more game in their best of five against the Twins, it'll be Bruce Bochy, old school, against Dusty Baker, old school. Huh. How about that? Hmm. Interesting. How about that? How does that work? Like, do the analytic departments just take the take their 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 they begin their break? They yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their yeah. off season starts early. <laughs> we're good. Yeah, we don't have yeah. to put in many man hours. Yeah. We're okay. Well, we can. Here's the thing: they, 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 they give them a lot of numbers, and then the the managers decide. Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, what is it? <laughs> filter it out. Thank you for your hard work. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> And then it turns yeah. into, it was my gut. It was my yeah, gut right. instinct. But yeah. Bruce Bochy, just congratulations to him. I mean, he was worth every penny to bring him oh, in. Man. The way that he's been able to turn things down, or turn things around. I mean, think about it with Bruce Bochy. This was not only a season that he had to help them get through where they saw their $185 million pitcher deal with the season-ending injury. What was it, just six starts Mm -hmm. into the season? And then he at the trade deadline, you had Max Scherzer come in, but he wasn't available through the series, so they were able to navigate through that. Bruce Bochy helping with that. And then you even look at how he was able to put push the right buttons with Mitch Garver, putting him in three-hole, and he hasn't been in the lineup since, like, October 1st. The way that he was able to navigate through all of those different challenges, I think that that's where that experience, that gut instinct mm-hmm. comes in, where he knows how to do that. And a lot of the players were talking about in the post game last night about how he's just been a steady force and he never gets too high, never too low, which sounds simple. I know that a lot of people say that, but when you go through a season where, as I mentioned, you lose your $180 million pitcher and then you have all these other injuries and challenges, I think that that says a lot about what Bruce Bochy's been able to do and really turn things around with the Rangers. And he does such a great job, and we'll get to that game in a moment, but he does does such a great job of handling a bullpen and integrating new guys into the bullpen. The first game yesterday was a 9-1 route of Houston over Minnesota, and it happened early to Minnesota. After an RBI single by Kyle Tucker, up came Jose Abreu. First and third, 1-0 Astros, the pitch. And Abreu cranks it deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. A three-run home run for Jose Abreu. And the Astros have a 4-0 lead in the first. 4 nothing after one. Christian Javier buckled down. He was terrific. He goes six strong innings, five strong innings. He allows one hit, strikes out nine. And then the bullpen for Houston shut him down. Sonny Gray takes a loss. He allowed those four first inning runs. He allows five overall. And he did so in four innings of work, allowing eight hits. Six strikeouts, but one walk. Be honest, Randy. Hmm. How how are you feeling when old Sonny 
Sonny came home. Should Sonny I be? Came home. What, what, what have I said? Here's the thing. I, I know what's going to happen with the guy in big games. He's not, not going to he's not gonna give you innings, and he's not going to necessarily be great. And that's just, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't feel happy for the guy. But like I've said, I, I don't hate Sonny Gray. I'm just saying, if you plan on winning a World Series, he can't be your number one guy. Randy, quit, quit stretching and take the victory lap. I don't need it. It's one game. Like look, Brooke asked me how I felt after his five shutout innings in, against Toronto. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not going to judge him on one game. I'm not going to judge him on one game here. I look at his body of work over, what, 13 years or whatever. I th- it's pretty easy to look at that and <laughs> figure out what's going on. You, you don't need much more than that. No. That's, that's a pretty good indicator. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's why we we have a Lars Newbar fan club and not an Oscar Mercado fan club in this. Oh. <laughs> well, you're right, you're right. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean. The, we gave it a shot. The regular season with Oscar Mercado. Yeah, we, yeah, we tried. Yeah. It, that was more of a flash in a pan, right? It, yeah, was, like, yeah. it, it didn't pan out that well. You see what yeah. I did there? But Sonny Gray, <laughs> good during the regular season. But what you mentioned there, the postseason is just a completely different animal. And I feel like that's what you're seeing with a lot of these teams. Because mm-hmm. everybody's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you, you pitch most of your games in the AL Central. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're pitching against the uh, the Houston Astros. I, it's a different animal. I think it's that. And I think you, this is the part that when you talk about analytics, this is why I get so bothered by it because analytics can't help you with what's inside of a person until you can give me something that, that looks internally into what a person is dealing with, going through physically, mentally, what they're thinking in that moment. We've seen Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game, cannot have success in the postseason. What is that? Throw your damn analytics sheet away. It doesn't matter because this guy, whatever it is internally, mentally, there's a block there that doesn't allow him to have success. So you until you, you, you put all of those things together, the numbers along with the human side of it, I don't care what your numbers say solely because it's only going to give you a glimpse of what could happen, but it's not going to tell you what will happen. No. Meanwhile, in the other game last night, the Rangers rolled over the Orioles 7-1, to a solo home run by Corey Seager early on in the first inning, and then a five-run second keyed by a guy whose heartbeat doesn't start racing in big games. Oh, and he used to play for the Cardinals. <laughs> Garcia gets up on top of that ball, hammers it to left field. What a swing! It's gone! A 418-foot home run by Adolis Garcia. 6-0 at that point, and the Rangers win by a score of 7-1. And the aforementioned Bruce Bochy was able to weather a little bit of a bullpen storm after Nathan Ivaldi went 7. Holy cow. Did you see that? A starting pitcher went 7 innings. Is that is that allowed? I didn't even know that could happen. I thought there. that the numbers and analytics would allow that. The, their heads were exploding as it was taking place. <laughs> 7 innings? 7 innings. <laughs> 7 for Ivaldi. Aroldis Chapman had a rugged two-thirds of an inning he allowed a hit walked a couple and struck one out and then uh, Leclerc their closer came on for the final inning and a third to win it for Texas and win the series for Texas the last game they played was game seven of the 2011 World Series last ALCS game they played was two uh, 2011 World Series so what happened that game well the Chris Carpenter shut him down in game mm-hmm. six David Freeze had kind of oh. ruined their lives Gosh, darn it mm-hmm. yeah 
They Darn just it. won't go <laughs> away. They're probably happy to not face that uh, again. Yeah, really. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. And tonight, you've got two more games. You've got Philadelphia hosting Atlanta. That's going to be a wild scene, isn't it? As the, the Phillies try to gain the upper hand. Phillies kind of do have, because of the day off, an upper hand going home. They're a really good home team. Yeah. And they they've are. got Aaron Nola on the mound. I, I love that series, though. It's been so exciting. That is the series that I have just enjoyed the most because these are just two really, really good clubs and just seeing it all play out. And for the Braves to finally come alive, I thought that that was just exciting to see for them to be able to claw their way back into that one. So I don't even know where that one will go, honestly. For me, it was disappointing that the that the Phillies allowed the Braves back into that game. We were talking about oh, it yeah. yesterday, how Trey Turner, you know, b- booted that ball and allowed Acuna to score. You allowed them to see themselves crossing the plate and starting to believe that fan base started going crazy in that in that stadium. And so that really is what started it, and it, it just spiraled out of, out of control after that. But with the Braves, when they find a crack, that's the yes, thing. Yeah. And then I love just seeing just the October stars starting to come out. Michael Harris with his performance, and then Austin Riley just really doing a lot, too, for the Braves. I thought that was really fun to see. And the Braves have not announced a game three starter yet. Might be a bullpen game. Uh-oh. Against TBD? TBD? You got to watch yeah. out for TBD. Ooh, dangerous. Uh, we saw that a few times with the Cardinals, didn't we? <laughs> uh, TBD was a killer for the Cardinals this season. <laughs> Probably because of the analytics. It just oh, don't know yeah. who the hell is pitching. How do, we, how do we get these numbers yeah. in order? So, oh! yeah, Braves and Phils at 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock tonight. Astros and Twins. That's our Keedy against Ryan. And then the night game, the Dodgers. Trying to stave off elimination at Arizona, the Dodgers will pitch another former Cardinal, Lance Lynn, and he'll be opposed by uh, one of the more fun pitchers in Major League Baseball, Brandon Fott. P-H-A-A-D-T. I go P-H-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
LGB. Hashtag LGB. And Thomas. Let's get it started. Let's go blues. Yeah. Coming up, it is Wednesday. It is hump day. And I am back and refreshed. And if you have a question about life in general, if you have a question about sports, postseason, uh, if you have a question for Brooke or Carrie, it's Ask Uncle Randy today. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Brooke, Randy, Matthew, and Matthew has your texts for us. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. We want to hear from you. Any serious questions you got? Fire away. Do they have to be serious? No, non-serious oh, okay. questions are preferred. <sighs> All right, good. Dear Uncle Randy, my 20th anniversary is coming up. What kind of trip should I plan? No, 20th anniversary. I would say yeah. that uh, there are a couple of things you can do. You could revisit your honeymoon trip on your 20th anniversary. That's always a, a good one to do. Uh, but at this time of year, I would suggest go to a warmer weather climb than St. Louis is scheduled to be at the moment. So whatever you prefer in terms of warm weather, whether it might be uh, maybe Gulf Shores or maybe you, you do like Florida or maybe go down to uh, like South Carolina or something like that. I, I would suggest at this time of year, a warmer climate. That would be my main one. A hundred percent. I like the warmer climates. Unless you, I don't know, if you want to go somewhere skiing or something like mm-hmm. that, you could also do that. And she can hang out at the spa. Or if she skis, she can ski, of course. There you go. But I'm definitely a warm weather person, too. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. That'd be a good way to celebrate. Good, good uh, to get ahead of that game plan, though. <laughs> Dear yes. Uncle Randy. I know, that's a good point. Save stress for everybody yeah. involved. <laughs> Dear Uncle Randy, do you have any suggestions for my first year teachers who are about to conduct parent-teacher conferences? Conversely, any tips for parents on their decorum? Okay. Uh, let's start. Carrie. Let's start wow, with, and I, I, I know that Carrie is going to have <laughs> something to say here because Carrie is dealing with kids on a regular basis. Okay. So first of all, you, you're a principal, I assume. So uh, recommendation for your teachers. Uh, I I think the key is to be blatantly honest because the big thing you want from kids is to get the most out of school. And if if the kid is not doing homework for example if the if the parents aren't if he's coming in and, and the homework isn't done i think it's very important to be really honest about okay we've got a real issue here with the homework getting done or something to that effect don't by the way don't tell any parents that their kid is dumb i think that's another yeah, don't little, do that. little bit that's of advice a, yeah. uh, and then for parents you you just ex- the the teacher is in that business because they want to see your kid do well or they want summers off. But I, I'm, I'm assuming they're in the business because they, they want to see your kid do well. So if there are recommendations or suggestions on the part of the teacher, I would hope the parents would accept those recommendations gracefully. For the most part, I have not seen, and in going to parent-teacher meetings for a couple of kids over the years, I haven't seen much consternation uh, when my kids were in school. But I... Would I, I would hope that the big thing would be for teachers and for 
parents to try to uh, avoid any sort of conflict and just accept what the other says and have a uh, an adult conversation. I think being honest about where your child is, like the progress that they have made or have not made, being open and honest and communicating that, you know, effectively and making sure everyone is on the same page. From a parent's standpoint, if you go in there with, here's the thing, Randy, and then Brooke and, and Rock, there's a notion that I see it all the time. I, it's amazing to me. The my I, kid can do no wrong notion? Well, I, I see these parents. <laughs> I got friends. Their their kids may go to different schools, and I see, you know, Facebook posts. And you your child, some of these children are terrorists. Like, they, they, <laughs> are, they are terrible children, but you don't know. And I, I've, I've witnessed it. I've had a parent mm-hmm. literally tell me, I said, my son is getting bullied in school. I said, no, ma'am. Your son is the bully in school. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, ma'am. And so... You have to have a realistic understanding of who your child is Mm -hmm. and what your child is actually doing in that school because some of these kids are running amok. They are doing whatever they hit when they leave your home. And it's amazing to me because when I ask them, you act like this at home? No. So why do you get here and act like Because if your mother or father were to walk in this building right now and see you doing this, what would you do? You are a totally different child. So parents... Understand that the child, the sweet, innocent child that you think you have at home may not be the sweet, mm-hmm. innocent child that he is or she is once she or he gets to that school. And with that being the case, should, if a teacher is aware of that behavior, should they tell a parent that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Good. Tell, okay. Let them know. You know, but here's the thing. Parents are, you know, sometimes they're they're delusional oh, about their yeah, own children. The, my, my kid, yeah. my kid didn't parent. do anything. No, your child is is tearing this class apart every single day. I agree. I I think that that's my my mother was a longtime teacher, my aunt a longtime teacher, and they both spoke about the change in kind of parenting styles and also the change in children's behavior that they would start to see. Both elementary school teachers retired now, but they discussed about how the parent-teacher meeting started to turn into you know, okay, what did my kid do wrong or something like that? What should I be doing at home? Turning into, well, what are you doing to my child to make them act like that? Where it's completely changed. And I think that that is on the parents because that starts at home. If the parents aren't teaching that you should be, you know, you, of course, you should question things. You should be curious about the world. You should be able to, if somebody, even if an adult, they're doing wrong, not be afraid to speak. But also there's a level of decorum on how you handle things about respecting people and talking to them in a manner that is appropriate that I think is also sometimes not being taught. And it all goes back to manners yeah. and just I, being respectful. And I was respectful. I was a bad student, but I was at least respectful. All right. Yes. What do we got next, Matthew? <laughs> I, was a nice, uh, I, I was a nice bad student. A nice bad student. That's good. Uncle Randy, my girlfriend of two years recently moved in with me and wants to help pay my, the bills. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to have to help, but she is persistent. What should I do? Take the help. Yeah, take the help. I, uh, that's fine. I like she, how you said that. She it's wants to contribute to the partnership, and she's a girlfriend of two years. If you're living together, I have no problem at all. And my, my suggestion would be you should have no problem at all with her wanting to help well, to actually pay for her accommodations how about this how about instead of helping with the bills put the money aside for vacations or trips or things that we would like to do in the future maybe we want to get a dog maybe, maybe we plan on getting married and want to use these mm-hmm. these funds for that so if you don't want her to help in that regard hey why don't we help plan for our future 
in this regard and, and put this money here in a joint account yeah because of if, they, if there is no future <laughs> you don't want it in her account. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> well, it's her money. So, uh, well, yeah, but she's she's yeah. Hey, she's willing to pay half. Yeah, I think that's what you need to do. This sounds like probably a woman who has been through a relationship where the financial stuff probably maybe got tense, and she's trying to avoid that. So maybe just sitting down and coming together on a discussion, either with splitting the bills, or like you said, CD, if you don't want her to pay the bills, then maybe set aside funds for something else because. Financial stuff can cause a lot of stress in a relationship. That's why I ignore it. <laughs> I have no idea. Like that's 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 like no not idea. There. I'm pretty sure it's like I, number. I, I, I got in trouble one time for saying, and I'll say it again. I got in trouble for saying I have no idea how much money I make. Who'd you get in trouble with? Well, that's a that's a home thing. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you should know. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good Uncle Randy know. right there, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Block that away. Do you, Uncle Randy, how do you feel if the NHL awarded a franchise to Kansas City? I think that'd be great. I think it'd be a wonderful rivalry. If, uh, for example, if the NHL would expand again and Kansas City would get a team and Houston would get a team, Ooh. I'd be fine. I, I know they're interested in Atlanta I was going to say Atlanta it seems yeah. to be getting one. But I, I would love having a hockey rivalry with Kansas City, and I think Kansas City could handle it. I, I think that they could handle a winter sport, either basketball or hockey. I don't know that they could do both, but I, I think they could handle both. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think so, too. I, it, it does seem, though, that Atlanta is going to be pretty close yeah. to getting one. Thrashers again? I don't know Scouts. what they'll do next time. Scouts. Yeah, Atlanta. Oh. What did you say? Yeah. Casey Scouts. Oh. Casey uh-huh. Scouts. Atlanta. I like Thrashers. They were, uh, they were an NHL it. team for a minute. Started yeah. as the Colorado Rockies hockey team, then moved to Kansas City, and now they're the New Jersey Devils. You'd have to change the logo uh, just because... 2023. Just because 2023. Uncle oh, okay. Randy, I'm at a crossroads. I kind of I kind of run an operation that woefully underperformed this past year. We knew changes were coming, but we didn't adapt. We grossly overvalued our assets, and I think we might be leaning into more computer-driven results instead of people-driven results. I'm nearing retirement, and I want my time here remembered positively. What do I do? Okay, Mo. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I was, like, I was like, this sounds uh, yeah. really honest, specific. Uh, I read that in my head three minutes ago. Didn't hit me at all. In the middle you of reading it on there, I go, oh, no. This sounds yeah. oddly familiar. Here's the thing. I am of the opinion that in every endeavor in life, it's about people and relationships. And I would suggest that the more veteran experienced people you can get in your industry whether it's radio or whether it's banking or whether it's insurance if you can be a relationship person mo i think that you can develop a better organization use the analytics and numbers as a tool rather than having them drive how you go about business do you think that in order to be successful in certain fields, you have to be able to communicate with people effectively. Like no some, question. There are some mm-hmm. people, we were talking about it yesterday, that yeah. just are awkward when it comes to having human connection, talking to people, mm-hmm. and, and how do you even leave a conversation? Like, oh, have a good day. Now, they just, there are some people that have that, that issue, and I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's an issue here with this gentleman and their company, and Mo, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I just wonder if the human element Everything can't be on a spreadsheet and can't be numbers and, I guess, quantified based on the analytics of things. You have to have human connection with people mm-hmm. and be able to talk 
and and understand why you wanted to do this versus why you wanted to do that or all of those things. Right. I think that matters. All of our salespeople are great communicators, right? Yeah. Everybody, in, every great salesperson is a great communicator. I, I played uh, over the weekend with uh, Bob and uh, and Tony Hawkins from Hawkins Construction, and they've been in business for a long time. They're, they do concrete work. And their work is all about relationships mm -hmm. and having developed relationships with people that need that work done. They've done that over the years. Ultimately, yes, you, you just can't, I will say this respectively, respectfully, you can't have a numbers nerd that runs the operations. Says, okay, well, we've got this spreadsheet that says we've got... Uh, not the voice. That's my perception of the numbers nerd. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to keep going. And to, your, and to what you're, the point of what you guys are saying, too, you know what it is, right? Because with numbers, if you're able to put things into numbers and try to make people numbers, essentially, then that is you trying to control the situation. The human element you don't know while you try to analyze yep. that you can never control humans and human emotions so i think that sometimes by using the numbers that's you trying to control the situation and the geniuses the greatest people on earth the people that are the most successful are the people that can communicate build great relationships and see numbers in 3d see numbers in ways that other people don't see them so that if you have that incredible ability the, the dual ability to actually be able to communicate and do the numbers, that's what makes the best people on earth. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Matthew, one more? Sure. Dear Uncle Randy or Cousin Carrie, I'm so introverted, but there's a cute girl who's a customer at my job. It feels wrong, ask her out. How do I do that? Yeah, shoot your shot, brother. Yep, that's the thing. And, uh, <laughs> Simple, well, but yeah, true. Yeah, and, I, and, I think that's fair. Yep. And, and here's the thing. If she's cute and available, and you are intrigued, uh, Brooke, you have to give us a female perspective because I, I think Carrie and I both reached the conclusion, shoot your shot, because most women are going to say, yeah, sure, I'll go out to dinner with you or go, to, go for coffee or something like that. Female perspective on, hey, you want to go out and grab a bite to eat? What are you going to do? Yeah, I think that that's just what you have to do. I think that women like confidence, and so if you're actually able to doing that to do that, I think it's big. And I think so many people are used to the social media connection, where yes. that stands out if you uh -huh. do do that. Humans. And if the answer is no, then that's fine. You tried, and I think that that's more showing that you're a confident person. I will person, find the next person. cute girl. I will give you a, a word of advice to this this person. You 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 have to be okay. It takes a lot of thick skin to be a man in the dating game to try to talk to a woman you have to have confidence but you also have to have confidence if you're told no you you don't have to once you're because yep. you're going to hear no i mean it's, it, it's going to happen you're going to hear no from time to time you got to bounce back up and be ready to go again and if you are an introvert you have to build that up you have to build up the confidence which is hard to do but just uh okay here's what you got to do you need you have to do a daily affirmation you have to look in the mirror <laughs> and you have to say i'm good enough I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> See? There you go. And that's, that's the kind of response you'll get. Stuart Smalley with Michael Jordan <laughs> oh, <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. Okay, Michael, say this. I'm good enough. And then Michael says, I'm, I'm good, good enough. enough. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm smart, smart enough. enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people <laughs> like me. There you go. Just say that. Say that before going and asking her on a date. And that's how Michael Jordan out. developed his confidence. Yep. Positive <laughs> affirmations. That clip is so fun because Michael comes close to completely breaking yeah. about three different times, but keeps his composure every time. He just might be the GOAT.
It just might be. Uh, Thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, are we underestimating the importance of the bullpen in postseason baseball? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. Baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You better make sure you have a bullpen. If you don't have a bullpen, I wouldn't care if you went out and signed Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, and Josh Smoltz. If you don't have a bullpen, it doesn't mean anything at this point because that's the direction of the game. Now, I'm not certainly, I, I'm not certain if I agree with that notion. I think there should be a reward for guys who pitch more innings and, and keep their team in a game. I mean, now a guy can pitch five and a third, five and two-thirds, and then turn it over to the bullpen to go get the next four and a third outs. And guess what? He gets the win and a whole lot more money than three other guys in the bullpen. That's our buddy Mike Claiborne yesterday here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And this all started back in 2011 in the NLCS. Tony Larusa allowed Jaime Garcia to pitch a fifth inning for the Cardinals. He'd gone four, and the game kind of got away from Garcia, and the Cardinals wound up losing by a score of 9-6 to six as the Brewers scored six in the fifth inning. For the rest of that series, Tony was really quick with the hook to get a starting pitcher out of there if he got into any trouble at all. Edwin Jackson the next day goes four and a third. He allows just two runs, gets in trouble, and by the time that inning was over, Tony had used Arthur Rhodes and Lance Lynn. You move on to the next game, and the Cardinals, again, didn't let things get away from the starter. And this was really how it all came about, because it was Carpenter who allowed three runs in five innings, and then Salas comes on, Lynn comes on, Zebchinski and Mott. And for the rest of that postseason, Tony was getting the starter out of there early and getting to his bullpen. And now... And especially because of what happened with the Indians in 2016 and being able to hang with the Cubs, now the Guardians, of course, teams believe that they need to get the starting pitcher out of there early. Yes, it is a good thing if you have the bullpen. It's not a good thing if your bullpen isn't that good. If if, If you're a team like the Cardinals, or right now, by the way, the Texas Rangers, you need to get innings out of your starting pitcher. So it depends on how good your bullpen is as to whether or not you have the ability or the need to 
use your bullpen in the third or fourth inning. Yeah, I mean, starting pitching is going to be the priority for the Cardinals this offseason, and I 100% agree with that. It's going to be priority number one, but I think that the bullpen needs to be priority 1A because you have had 28 blown saves for the Cardinals this past season with the bullpen. I know there's a lot of stuff that factors into that, but... I mean, there was times where, and this is not on Ali Marmol, where who was he going to go to? You're going to go to Andre Pallante again. You didn't have many options in mm-hmm. there, especially when you moved from Jordan Hicks. JoJo Romero was a great revelation and will be a part of the bullpen moving forward. Don't disrespect the Holy Trinity. <laughs> I, I will miss them. How about that? They they will be missed fondly. Should we do that? Should we? Because we, we didn't get to say goodbye to them, really. Andre Pallante. We love you. Here we go. Chris Vanderha, you were something. <laughs> Casey Lawrence, we'll remember you fondly. <laughs> and you know what? Let's let's not leave Yaku Barnes out of the mix here. <laughs> the four horsemen? <laughs> the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming. We will miss that next season for sure. But that's why the bullpen needs to be a priority because – especially with the starting pitchers that you're looking at, a lot of them don't go that deep into games mm-hmm. other than possibly Aaron Nola. But even if you look at some of the other ones, I mean, some of them didn't get past if Blake Snell specifically, has he pitched past seven innings this season? No, I don't think he's gotten to a seventh. Maybe he's gotten to a seventh, but he has so not. So you need a good bullpen. Yeah, right. If that's going to be the type of starting pitcher that you're going to attract, even a Tyler Glass now, CD and I were talking about him. He's mm-hmm. had some injury history. You're going to need a strong, a strong bullpen because you don't know where that's going to go also this season. I, I think that getting a very strong bullpen, especially with what it looks like they're going to go for starting pitching-wise, is going to have to be a huge priority for the Cardinals. I'm looking at... Oh, okay, got, uh, get, got Seventh inning for sale three times. Oh, okay. okay. I, when I'm looking at the, the Cardinals, and what I've said, it, I've said it, I'll say it again, going out, getting obviously getting a couple of starting pitchers, and then using some of those younger pitchers that are supposed to be starters at some point using them in the bullpen to get them acclimated to the big leagues getting them acclimated to having high leverage moments where they have to perform and then working your way up to becoming a starter and the transition is much smoother this has been a terrible transition over the last few years from from starting pitching to what we have now it it, it hasn't been great and it's it's it feels like it's been coming it's been coming it's on its way but you haven't had much youth in the bullpen or guys that are are being able to take those spots. And that's a huge problem for the Cardinals right now. If they try to fix this in one year, and I get differing opinions from people from the sport as to whether or not the Cardinals can fix this in one year or if it's going to take longer, but it is essentially a young man's game. You don't see Max Scherzer pitching right now. You don't see Jacob deGrom pitching right now. You see Verlander, but he's not great. You look at the team that's cutting edge, and that was Houston and is Houston. What did they do? They found a major inefficiency in scouting pitching by going back to the Latin American uh, fields and finding players that were beyond the age of 16 because people thought that 18-year-olds in Latin America were ancient. But here's what the Astros do. They go down and sign Christian Javier mm-hmm. or Jose Urquidy or Luis Garcia who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, and all of a sudden they're a World Series rotation. Where do the Cardinals find an inefficiency? Because I think we need to be realistic here. Even if you get Nola and Snell, let's look at the success of free agent pitchers over the last few years. If you get both of them, can you count on them? I don't think so. I think this is going to be a process for the Cardinals because most of the reason that teams are letting 
veteran starters get away is because they aren't very good anymore. That's why you go get Yoshi Yamamoto. There you go. 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go get him. wants to pitch in the bigs. Yeah. He's I just like going to cost idea. like, what? Yeah. $200 million? Yeah, but if you, <laughs> here's the thing. Are you going to look at this situation as a one-off? If you are, then you better look at what's working in Major League Baseball. And for the most part, when you look at the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, it's teams that have young starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Veteran starting pitching is great to have. And I, I, I want veteran starting pitching, but I also want to realize that, or I'm going to realize that that's not going to be the be-all, end-all. You can't have a rotation of 30-year-olds anymore. Well, and even look at how the Braves have been able to kind of develop things pitching-wise, specifically with their mm-hmm. starting pitchers, with Spencer Tri- Strider being 24 years old. And a fifth-round pick. Yes, and the way that they were able to develop, make that situation figure out. We've talked about the Rays, the way that they've been able to, even if they do get somebody who maybe the numbers don't pop out at you, they're able to turn that around. I think a lot of it's going to be able to or hinge on just finding and evaluating that talent properly because also – in the minor league system, do you think that McGreevy and Gordon Graceffa, will we see them possibly in the bullpen next season? I, I could see that. And by the way, you need somebody who, as a coach or as a staff, that makes young pitchers and old pitchers better. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That, that, that might be helps. something. Yeah. That helps. Well, you look at – let's take a look at what happened, obviously, with our situation, which is uh, the the – Hennessy's Cabrera situation. He goes and, and lights it up, right, for the the Blue Jays. You look at Chris Stratton. He goes and lights it up uh, after pitching poorly here. At some point, the Cardinals are going to have to be that team that turns mediocre guys into good guys. Last year, the Dodgers went out and got Yancy Elmonte from Colorado. Yancy Elmonte had a 7 ERA for the Rockies and a 1 ERA for the Dodgers. This year, they did the almost the exact same thing. Let me just give you the the numbers for El Monte first. 7.55 in 2021 for Colorado, 1.02 for the Dodgers in 2022. This year, he got hurt. Uh, this year, they go out and get Ryan Brazier, who for the Red Sox this year had an earned run average of 7.29 in 20 games. Comes to the Dodgers, an earned run average of 0.70 in 39 games for the Dodgers. So what's happening there? That the Dodgers are able to get these guys and Shelby Miller and turn them into good pitchers again. I don't I don't know what good it is, coaching, but I want some evaluation. of that. Yeah, evaluation, evaluation and then understanding what works best for those pitchers and coaching them up. I, yes. I think that's the most important thing. I think when you have a one-size-fits-all mentality, that usually doesn't work for everybody. You mm-hmm. have to look at the individual and figure out what they do best, how they can, you know, get them, how you can get the most out of them in that moment. And so when you're able to do that, you, you're you're going to have more success than not. So, yeah, the bullpen is big, but you got to know who you're getting and then what makes them tick. You just can't go get a bunch of guys and say, okay, well, he pitched okay last year here. Because then all of a sudden what you've got is Chris Stratton and Hennessy Cabrera and Ryan Brazier and Yancy Almonte in reverse, a guys that have a bunch of one and two ERAs that become six and seven ERAs. Kerry, Brooke, Randy, 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 314- 399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! We've got to take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? Do you like it?
like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli. Get your text in. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, kids. The NHL started their season yesterday at 4.30 in the afternoon, <laughs> St. Louis time. Take it or leave it. ESPN really cares about the NHL. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Was it on ESPN? It wasn't it on was. NBC no, Sports? It was, no, what what, what were they all, playing on a couple of years ago? Uh, it was, uh, yeah, NBC Sports, which <laughs> doesn't exist so anymore. hard to find the game. It was. like, where is this game? <laughs> and why don't they want us to watch it? Yeah. Now, maybe they didn't want to compete against the primetime uh, game of, That's what I was uh, say. of baseball. But Connor Bedard was competing against you, primetime baseball. Come on, man. He had an assist, by the way. You you don't you don't shrink and... and don't you compete. The the you, NHL you still. Be the king, you want to be the man. You got to beat the man. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, the NHL still is kind of. I feel like trying to get back after the fact that they didn't have that deal with ESPN, and so it just felt like you didn't get any of that coverage. I mean, if you look at the contract differences too between the NHL and the other mm-hmm. professional sports leagues, there's quite yeah. a difference. Yeah, <laughs> they're in it for the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's but it's a bummer to start your season at 4:30 in the afternoon and on no, a Tuesday. And nobody's <laughs> a Tuesday. no yeah. eyes, no eyeballs. Yeah, people still at work. Yeah, 2.30 on the West Coast. Think about that. You got Tampa playing um, whoever they were playing. So I I have told you all that I think that Pittsburgh is one of the greatest sports towns in America. It's one Mm -hmm. of the the only franchise where all of the teams wear the same color. They are a united front in Pittsburgh, through and through. Steelers, Pirates, uh, Penguins, Mm -hmm. as you were talking about. During the Penguins game, as you spoke about, there was a chant that broke out during the game. It's fire Canada. Penguins game. At a Penguins game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Talking about firing Matt Canada. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Matt Canada does not make it the entire season. Ooh. I'm going to reluctantly leave it. I, I wish he would not make it through Ooh. the season, but I, I don't think that the Rooney family will do that. Do you, when's the last time that they've done that? I don't know. Like a in-season firing. Nah, that's not their, their, their thing. But uh, Their quarterback coach could handle the job, by the way, Mike Sullivan. They, with a couple of Super Bowl teams and maybe you just Giants. start transitioning that behind yeah. the scenes. I don't know. We have two Mike Sullivans. I think they're going to have to go. Uh, they're going to have to go outside the building this Ultimately. off season to find their uh, to find their guy. Did you see that Byron Leftwich called them? Did he? He called or like three or four weeks ago and said, "Hey, I'll help you out." That would be a good. Job. He's done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he played in Pittsburgh. He's yeah. one of my teammates. Yeah. Yeah, really good quarterback, really good guy. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to leave it just for that. That I maybe they just behind the scenes start transitioning things. But that was really interesting to see for the Penguins because when I first saw, it, I was like, wait, what is going on here? I was like, is there something happening in Canada? I was like, oh yeah, Matt Canada, they are <laughs> they are upset and like rightfully it. so. I get it. Proud of them. Yeah, take it or leave it, guys. Um, I really really like Yamamoto and it also came out that he was able to get the NPB's triple crown this season for the third consecutive time and the 25 year old has now thrown a 1.72 ERA in seven Japanese seasons take it or leave it Yoshinobu Yamamoto is at the top of my list but should be at the top of the Cardinals list I'm going to totally take it yes go and spend the money for Yoshinobu Yamamoto can we just call him Yoshi yeah for fun Yoshi Yamamoto I mean they do call him why why yeah why why 
Yeah. Why, why not get him? We, right, right. <laughs> so we already had KK. We can get YY. Yes, yes. I, I just think that that would be that would be huge if the Cardinals were able to get him. I know he's going to be expensive, but I feel like it would be well worth it. The risk is worth the reward. Yes, it is. I'm with you. Let's do it. it makes me want to call him Yeah Yeah. I don't know just because I'm thinking baseball and it's being at the same lot. You call him YY. I just want to call him Yeah Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Every time Corey Seager plays in the postseason, it's another slap in the Cardinals fan base. I will leave that. I don't know that the Cardinals were going to go three hundred million on Corey Seager. No, you're okay. Yeah. And they did. Uh, they did say that they were going to have Mason win. Mason win looks like he has quite a skill set. He looks really good. Yeah, he does. And it'll come together offensively with his numbers yeah. that he was able to do in the minors. It, it will just take time. It's an adjustment. Yeah. Got just the two worst Taylor Swift related oh. take it or leave ever seen oh, in my entire life. They're so bad. I wasn't over here texting these oh, in. No, <laughs> the, no, the, no, no. These are bad the other oh, way. Like no. you, you, you weirdo incels. Take it or leave it. Travis Kelsey is a sellout now because he's doing commercials. It's because he's a Swifty's boy toy, isn't it? Yeah, that happened in a hurry. I like how you said it. They, they recorded oh, uh, those commercials uh, over the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah three weeks. That's how that works. A lot accomplished. Yeah. Well, he was. Basically working uh, seven days a week except Practicing. for Tuesdays. Yeah, <laughs> it gets worse. Take yeah. it or leave it. Taylor Swift is only famous because of Kanye West. Oh, leave that. That she is. She was literally that is getting. Crap. In a, she literally won the award the VMA, for yeah. the best video of the year. That's why that thing happened. I yeah. It, here's the thing, and I love Beyonce. I'm a part of the Beehive, and Uh-oh. so I. Thanks not, for telling us that. I, I'm just letting you guys know. I'm a part yeah. of the Beehive. I, I love Beyonce. I, I do like Taylor okay. Swift, but I'm just not big into kind of like the poppy kind of music mm-hmm. in that way. Um, but I that was a terrible moment. Kanye did not make her famous. She was already very, very famous. It was ridiculous. So I'm going to leave that. Beyonce didn't even want him to do that. No. He wasn't feeling that good, though. Poor fella. <laughs> He was struggling. He was kind of, yeah, kind kind of, of scuffling. scuffling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't yeah. know it then, yeah. though. How about that? Yeah. We didn't know it then. And, and he, did, he said we didn't all, know it then. All due respect, he did go up and say, thing. I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> Brooke, you really just don't like Poppy uh, Stadium Country, do you? Just, uh, just anybody who's not just I like, I classic like country. Some... What about Poppy Seed? Oh, she's Seed? not classic country. That's why you Come hate her on. is what I'm saying. No. Yeah, Poppy Seed on a bun. Take it or leave it. Jordan Walker, 30 home runs, 100 RBI next Take year. It. Yeah. I'm going to say. I'll be disappointed if that's what it, that's I, all I it will, is. I will top out at about, I think he's going to be about a 20, 20, just under 30. But I, I, like the 100, I like the 100 RBIs. I like the 270 to around 290 batting average. CD, what if he works on his launch angle this offseason? Oh. Well, then shoot, Randy. Well, then it's he, over with. Well, then he's going to be batting 220 and hitting 40 bombs. <laughs> take it or leave it. That's what we want, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take that. By the way, I, I asked a player over the weekend at the golf tournament why all these Cardinal sluggers came up with back injuries, and he said it's because they aren't using their legs enough. He said it's that there's too much lift and separate and not using their legs to mm. hit enough. Randy, what what person who actually knows anything about hitting a baseball has ever come on this particular show and saying saying it's all from the ground up? I mean, oh, yeah, it's true. Hey, yeah. you've never had anybody who can hit a baseball say that before? Only 70 times in one season. <laughs> A lot of other times, too. Yeah. Take it or leave it. When he goes to the NFL, Burden will leave Missouri as the greatest wide receiver in their history. I'm going to take it. Mm. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take That'd it. Nice. Yeah. Come on, Kerry. Yeah, J-Mac is really good. J-Mac is, no. I, I'm just going to say what, what list of 
receivers would he be competing well, with? Well, Denario led the, lead, led the nation in receiving yards okay. in uh, one of the years it's, he was at Mizzou. It's, mm-hmm. What round yeah, was J. Mack drafted? Was he a first, 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 first round? 18th pick. Should have, been, should have been the second pick uh, to the Rams. Really? Yeah. yeah. That was a horrible draft, 2009. Ooh. Do you think that his size will maybe hold him back a little bit? Not saying, I think he's just a little little bit off Not anymore because he can't touch the guys. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. look, Zay Flowers yeah. yeah, yeah, weighs like 170 pounds soaking wet, and no one's cracked him in half yet. Look, there's about 180, 190. Yeah. He's like, he's bigger, he's thicker than Devonta Smith yeah. and Zay Flowers mm. and those guys. I think he should be, you know, he's, he's thicker than J-Mac was, I think. He's yeah, talented he was enough. J-Mac is taller. Yeah. I think, I think oh, J-Mac yeah. is about 6'1". Maybe listed six one. I no, I think he is. I think he's six okay. foot six one. Okay, yeah. take it or leave it. The Blues need to stop the A rotation. One captain, two alternates, end of story. Leave it. Come on, let's respect leadership and ability here. Let's respect it. Yeah, we, let, let's <laughs> let's respect. Okay, who are our, our A's? We've got Pareko. Justin Falk, Pareko, and Robert Thomas. Yeah, who 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 are those? Are you going to leave out? Come on. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think that that's it was the right choices. I do too. I'm I'm with you. Thank you, Matthew. Wait, are, are the Blues alternate or assistant? Assistant. I want to say alternate, but I want to say alternate. But that's three. differently. Bro- I they know. Are I don't like that. Alternating assistants. Oh. oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. There we go. Well, just there, you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we have some news from Clark Street, but is it going to change the tune of disgruntled Cardinals fans? Maybe. It's next on 101 ESPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Okay, how about your Cardinals? The Cardinals, uh, their, their president, Bill DeWitt III, telling the St. Louis Business Journal that the payroll will rise in the rankings this year. Of course, we know that the Padres are going to drop $50 million. <sighs> That's so funny to me. We can, uh, well. We, we, <laughs> I love that. You know what I love about it? You know what I love about it? Because what were they last year, 16? 16 or 14 something like that. So so if you if you go from 16 to 15 did you rise in the in the in the rankings? If if you went from 16 to 15 yes you did. So technically you're not lying are you? No you aren't. But the 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 perception would be when you say rise in the rankings you would assume that they would be going from 16 to top 10. Yep. And by the way, after the trades of Montgomery and Flaherty and Hicks and Cabrera and who else? One other Stratton, Stratton, 
they, they finished the year at number 17, and they were three million behind Minnesota and about nine million behind the White Sox. So <laughs> this this is all very difficult it. for me to to navigate because if you. You should be above 17, even though the Cardinals say their revenues are down. Why are their revenues down? Well, because profits aren't as high. But uh, it's, it seems to me that you should af- try at least to effectively replace people like Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery in their salaries. Just saying. <sighs> yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's really... Uh, kind of confusing to read the tea leaves on what exactly is going on with the situation because when you say that the payroll is going to increase but in a way of like rising in the rankings that's the part that I'm trying to decipher on what exactly that means what does that mean to you guys um to me it means they're going to go from so league average is 14 15 and they're going to go from 17 to about 14 few spots yeah it's wonderful but figure you you took how much did you take off because you probably well and wayno's leaving too Mm -hmm. so you have a lot of money to spend i guess 17 for wayno 27 33 with the the other two starters probably you're you're north of 40 million dollars that you have to spend on free agents so their salary if i'm correct is like 153 153 million right now at the end of the season. Yeah, where what 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 number? So what where are we going to be? 180? We're not going to be above 200. So no. let's let's get that out of our mind. So it won't be but Yamamoto. We won't, we won't be top 10. <laughs> so again, so where are we at? One 170. Yeah. 170. That's 15 million dollars more. Yeah, the Cardinals that's the had 17 million that you just didn't that you left over for Wainwright. Yeah. So the Cardinals were 15th among the teams with a payroll of 175 million. As you mentioned, some of the numbers come on the books. That includes Jordan Montgomery and Adam Wainwright. And who else am I missing? Jack Coming Flaherty? off the books, yeah. Jack Flaherty. Oh, and Jack Flaherty. And yeah. Hicks was like four or something like that. So. Pretty substantial. So group. four players, four pitchers that you're not paying right now. And you want and me Verhagen to... And is that uh, going to be okay. How much was he making? Uh, About a mil? Two and a half, I think. Okay. Maybe 2.6. 2. So four, five pitchers, and you got to replace a few starters. And they want... You want me to believe that they're going to they're gonna increase the payroll to a degree where we actually say, oh, yeah, that was a, a drastic shift. No, I don't, I don't think that's happening. So when you say the words, we're going to, and they said it last year, right? They said the payroll is going to go up. And now and they it, say it's going and to it, And it did. did. Yep. But not to the point where you were like, oh, yeah. It was just like, Where oh, it was it, exciting, it, flashy. It went up. Yes. So you, you, the words, you have to pay very close attention to the words that are being said. If there are no numbers being attached to it, if they're not saying, yeah, we're going to increase the payroll by $30, $40 million this year. I'm just going to say we're going to increase the payroll. By They say climb the payroll rankings That's is the a, specific the quote. Thing. 17 yeah. to 16 is climbing the payroll rankings, is it not? Yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah, it, yeah it's so, just not exactly as it, what I think that people want to hear. It, now, the big thing is that they do say <laughs> that they are supposedly in agreement, everybody's in agreement, that starting pitching needs to be the priority, and that's what Bill DeWitt III says in the St. Louis Business Journal article. 
But the biggest thing is talking about that rising in the rankings, but also that they are expecting the revenue to decrease. And when you kind of factor that into the conversation, then I think that also is like, oh, that's oh. that's a tad bit concerning. Here's another thing that we don't know, but they could rise in the rankings simply by giving Jordan Walker a seven-year, hundred million dollar contract. There you go. That that could that could boost that number up. Yeah, that that would that would help. Right. So, but it's not again. And, and by the way, if you, if they do what we suggested last week, sign Edmund Walker, Brendan Donovan. Yeah, Brendan. All of those kids to substantial contracts like the Braves have done. You can rise in the rankings, but have the same team basically. Yeah, but that doesn't again. That doesn't the, see. It's about the words, the perception. Yeah. It's about the words. The perception is when you say we're gonna we're gonna raise rise in the rankings mm-hmm. of of you know overall salary. That's the the perception is what you think that means is we're gonna go spend thirty million on Aaron Nola or or uh, Blake Snell or <laughs> Yamamoto. We're gonna go spend some money outside of this this clubhouse. Not that we're gonna we're gonna give Aaron Jordan Walker a new deal and now we're right. We're, we did raise. You know what he needs to talk about is reaching not approaching but reaching their puke point where they have to spend yes. so much money that they literally have to throw up it's yes. 200 million and then we need video i think it's 190 yeah the, I, I, I could see maybe 190 i think 190 is the point where they they begin nope. to because to throw up to he, themselves. You're talking about oh, the yeah. puke yeah. point. Yeah, I, yes. that's the point but where he, they <clears throat> bill said also that revenues are down and that's and that's the point that i keep looking at is why was that mentioned kind of in conjunction with the rest of what they're talking about with climbing the rankings. Because to me, that's almost like you're prepping fans with, okay, just so you guys know, though, the revenue is going down. So to me, when you're putting that together, the perception, as you're talking about, CD, the perception looks like that you're kind of preparing people for something. an old business adage that you have to spend money to make money. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Why would the revenue revenue be down this year? Oh, Matthew. Matthew's got his hand raised. Uh, because there's issues with your broadcasting partner. Oh no, that's not it. That's not it. you, Randy? What do you think? What do you think? I, I would suggest that if your product starts to deteriorate, mm. that people aren't as inclined oh. to spend on said product. Mm. So, 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 in order to get more revenue, you, you, as you said, you got to spend more money and have yeah, better players. Spend money to make money. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that, and that's the big thing is that we can talk about this all day, but it's going to be up to the season ticket holders. It's going to be up to the fans that really get the message across to the ownership group and to the Cardinals in general that you don't want to see this happen again. It's to continue to push them. We keep talking about it, but the fans showing or not showing up, I guess is the way to phrase it, not showing up two games that is what's going to send a clear message and start to really really hit home with the ownership group because right now if you if you see those comments as a fan i'm just curious if you're debating about if you're getting season tickets or not you hear those right. comments do you have some concerns about if you want to spend the your money on that next they, season they, people don't even know when the invoices came out so yeah you, you have to question that and the other thing the cardinals have run into is that they do run it as a business well in recent years the wilpon family was they were swindled by bernie madoff so the mets ownership until a couple of years ago wasn't really well healed and didn't spend money the philadelphia ownership they ran theirs as a business. Then they get John Middleton as their owner and Dave Dombrowski as their president of baseball operations. And all of a sudden, their owner saying, "We, yeah, we'll spend stupid money." Mm-hmm. The Padres get Peter Seidler as their main owner, and he says, "I don't care how much money we spend. We are going to do it as a business." 
we've never had a championship in our city. That's my goal is to win a championship in the city. So all of a sudden, you had a group of franchises that didn't that did treat their baseball franchise as a business. Now they treat it as a toy to have fun with and try to go win with. And the Cardinals are still in the mode of running a business. And they're mm. still, by the way, out-revenued by at least a dozen teams in the league. Do you, do you, I mean, obviously you don't, you, you gotta spend money to make money, but at some point you're, you're, you're gonna make that money back when you have a product on the field that is very good. If you're really good, then the value of your franchise goes up. Correct. So, like, the Golden State Warriors are, are in the luxury luxury tax every single year mm-hmm. because of all the money that they spend. But that franchise's worth has risen over the last 10 years tremendously. And the winning is more important to Joe Lacob than the dollars are. Yeah. And, and, and if he does decide to, you know, sell mm-hmm. at some point, oh, he's, he's made more off the charts money. There you go. Yep. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Jamie Rivers. He'll make his debut as a regular season full-time blues analyst tomorrow night on Bally Sports. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. The Blues open their 2023-2024 campaign tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars in Dallas before opening against the Seattle Kraken on Saturday night at Enterprise Center. That'll be their home opener. Joining us now is our partner here at 101 ESPN, co-host of The Fast Lane with Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, who is going to start his full-time career as the Blues analyst on Bally tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. Jamie, good morning. How are you doing? Good, guys. How you doing? Outstanding, and uh, good luck. We're looking forward to hearing from you tomorrow night. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's uh, going to be a fun time. It's going to be a tough game. Dallas Stars are projected, projected to be one of the best teams in the conference this year, so not an easy start for the Blues, that's for sure. Jamie, congratulations. I, I have some other news that I need to discuss with you. You all invited me to be a part of this Pick'em Challenge, <laughs> the Riz Show versus the Fast Lane. I am the fifth member. Right now, we have lost two in a row. And, um, you know, BT and Marsh, I, I'm about to call a players-only meeting, and we're going to get this thing corrected because if we keep losing, I, I, we're, it's going to be a problem here. Yeah, we had a little talk with Marshy yesterday. <laughs> he, you know, he's a good kid, obviously a very handsome young man, great hair. I'm somewhat jealous, but um, I think sometimes Marshy gets a little emotional with okay. his picks. Uh, like, no matter what, he sticks with the Vikings. Yeah. Like he picked the Vikings over the Chiefs. And, Shouldn't do that. You know, we, we got to use, use our head, not our heart <laughs> at times. And Marshy took two shots from the airsoft gun yesterday. Okay. I believe it left the right impression okay. on Andrew that he'll be picking better in the future. Jerry. All right. Thank you. So no players only meeting required. <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> no, we closed the door yesterday with players only, coaches out, trainers are welcome to join, you know. But we took care of it. All right. Good. Uh, Jamie, when you're looking at this team tonight, uh, tomorrow night, what are your expectations for this Blues team for the 23-24 season? 
Well, look, like I just said earlier, Dallas Stars have a heck of a team. There are a lot of people that are picking them to be Stanley Cup contenders this year. So it's going to be a big test. What I'm looking to see from the St. Louis Blues is a team that's hard to play against. And, Kerry, you know this from your time in the NFL. Like, there's teams where you play them and they're not hard to play against. You're not, you're not worried about playing against that team. But there's other teams that you know you might be better than, but you hate playing against them because you know it's going to be a war out there. And so I'm looking for the Blues to become a team that nobody wants to play against because they get in there on the forecheck, they finish their hits, they're hard on the pucks, they play tough defensively, they don't make mistakes in the defensive zone. It's a long night for you. So for me, that's the, the identity I want of this team is that nobody really wants to play them. Jamie, I know it's just preseason, but is there any big differences that you've noticed defensively, especially with the defensive unit with the Blues going into this season? Yeah, it's tough, right, because you've got a different mix of guys in the lineup every other night in preseason. But the one thing I will say is that watching them practice and then watching them in the games as well, there's a way more commitment on the defensive side, a bigger attention to detail to take away the middle of the ice, specifically in the defensive zone. You know, they're stacking the house, that area right in front of the net where they gave up a lot of goals last year. They're making sure that there's coverage there, sometimes two and three layers of defensive coverage to make sure that they're not giving up those easy goals or at least those easy opportunities. So for me, that's the biggest thing I've noticed is, one, the level of competition in practice and then the level of commitment to you know taking away the middle of the ice. Jamie, can you talk about the the difference in the defensive style? I mean, I think was it last year it was more of a man to man. They were they they had a guy and and then get back to the net, or and this year it's more of a zone style where you said you have those three defenders in front of the net protect protecting him and and not allowing the goaltender to face as many shots. Yeah, and so last year was I wouldn't call it man to man, but what it was really was they tried to eliminate the puck play as quick as possible. So all that meant was. Whoever is closest to the play, go and eliminate the play. Try and close out the play as fast as possible. Well, what happens then is sometimes you leave the spot where the puck is going to be for the spot where the puck is currently, and that leaves nobody covered in front of the net or, or the guy that's maybe available for the opposition. This year, it's a little more patient. It's, you know, they've cut the zone basically into four squares, and whenever the puck comes into your area, you're the aggressor to go after the puck. But then the forward who's playing down low is your support system. So that if for some reason there's a breakdown, the offensive player would have to go through the first player, then the second player, who is the support guy, and then the third player who's stationed in front of the net. So there'd be no vacating the front of the net just to close out plays faster, which might look weird at times because teams might establish a little bit longer offensive zone time, but it's it's not dangerous offensive zone time. It's almost like you go ahead and have the puck out there. You can skate around the outside all you want because it's not dangerous. And when you try to come to the middle of the ice, we're going to stop you, take the puck, and go the other way. Jamie, what sort of element does Kevin Hayes bring to this team? It seems uh, if I'm going to make a comp, and it's not – I don't think it's completely valid, but from a size standpoint and what he does standpoint, there's a little David Backus there. Yeah, there's a little bit of David. I think it's a David Backus when you look at him, but it's a lot of a Pat Maroon, too, when you get him behind closed doors and in the locker room on the planes and things like that. I mean, he's a really good player. He's a big guy. He possesses the puck extremely well, but he's also a real fun guy. He lightens up the atmosphere for the guys. There's a veteran presence in the locker room. 
it's just the difference maker. You know, Randy, you've got those people that even in the work world where when you show up for work, you're like, that guy's always in a good mood or he always makes me laugh. Like, no matter how crappy my day is, that guy makes me feel better. That's or you, that, by the that way. That's you here at 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's Kind of was my role too as a player. A little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a shrink in the locker room for some of these guys. But Kevin Hayes possesses that ability. You know, he, he guys can't wait to get to the room to say hi to Kevin Hayes or to talk to him, and he just kind of he, he adds the element of calmness to everybody. Jamie, what do you think about the rest of the Central Division? And I know that obviously you're you're going to want to see the Blues finish up on top. But realistically, where do you see the Blues panning out in the Central Division? Well, if I mean realistic, the, the Avalanche and the Dallas Stars are, you know, in my opinion, not a game played yet, but they're the two the two top teams in the division, and that, and then there's the others type thing. So what I see from the Blues though is if they can put together the season like they expect to and like we think they can, I think there's no reason the Blues can't finish third in this division. And I know there's a lot of national people that with all their, all, all their awesome rankings based off of, well, I don't even know what, have them you know, lower in, in, in the division and some of, some of the rankings have them lower in, in the league overall. I don't agree with that. I think that if this team plays to its potential, and of course that's if, um, they're a third-place team in the Central Division. And if that's the case, you get yourself in the playoffs, and you, you have a couple of things going for you there. You've got some Stanley Cup champions still on your roster, and you got a guy named Jordan Bennington who thrives in the playoffs. So I see them as a third-place team. That was who I was going to ask you about is Jordan Bennington. What is his? What have you seen from him this preseason? What is his mindset like going into this opening night? Oh, it, it's, the, it's, it's like you doubted me? You'll see. <laughs> you doubted me? You'll see. Oh, you want to go with the numbers, guys, eh? Okay, you'll see. <laughs> I, this is a guy that's motivated right now. I'm watching him. He's dialed in. And one thing about Jordan Bennington is from the moment he stepped into the NHL, where he had his ups and downs and all around the minors and all over the place, he has this like chip on his shoulder that if you don't believe in me, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's what I see right now. Remember the, the movie Rocky? He's got the eye of the tiger. Yeah. Back, right? <laughs> he's ready to go, man. I, I have nothing but confidence in Jordan Bennington. I think he's a hell of a competitor, and I think he's a really good goalie. I think, I think we're in good hands with him. Finally, Jamie, have you been hot in the gauntlet lately? I know that the last time I listened to you, you'd been pretty hot. Are you staying hot? Yeah, my, I've had a pretty good run. I did have a speed bump not too long ago. We had a football day, Jerry, and I felt bad because I got <laughs> one point. Oh, no. Lost my team. But football's been my second strongest category. So I think I've got two losses in like the last 12 gauntlets. There we go. See, that? that is hot. You're, you're rocking and rolling. Well, have fun. Have a good, a good trip to Dallas. And we'll be tuned in tomorrow night with you and John Kelly on Bally Sports. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, man. You guys have a great day. You too, brother. That's Jamie Rivers, our co-host of the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN and analyst for Blues Hockey on Bally Sports. So now we've got BT doing analysis for the Cardinals on Bally from mm-hmm. 101 and Jamie doing analysis for the Blues on Bally. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Busy. Yeah. yeah. Busy, busy. I don't know how they do it. I, I would be sleeping like... No, BT I, just quit. Much- yeah, that's, a- <laughs> yeah. that's how he did. So, yeah. how does Jamie do it? Jamie is just yeah. invincible. Doesn't he sleep? He'll, yes, he'll quit too. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, am I wrong? No. Okay, the fight is next on One Hundred and One ESPN.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? All right. How about yourself? Doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy Carriker? I sure am. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Corey Seager has reached base safely three-plus times in five consecutive games. That ties the longest streak in a single postseason in Major League Baseball history, which 2013 Red Sox set the mark against the Cardinals. Is it Dustin Pedroia? Mike Napoli or David Ortiz? Uh, the Justin Pagoya. Albert Pujols is not the only Cardinal to have a six RBI game and a postseason game. Which Cardinals outfielder also notched six in one game? Was it Reggie Sanders, Larry Walker, or Lance Berkman? Uh, Larry Walker. One Cardinal has hit a Grand Slam in the World Series. Who was it? Orlando Cepeda, Julian Javier, or Ken Boyer? Uh, Ken Boyer. Kevin Hayes was drafted by the Blackhawks in the first round but played the first four-plus years of his career with which Eastern Conference team? Was it the the New Jersey Devils, New York Rangers, or Florida Panthers? The Rangers. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Jeff, how you feel? Got one right. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded pretty confident on the last two. You you, you answered those pretty quickly. Were, were you Was hockey and, and baseball what you were looking for? Uh, no, just hockey. <laughs> Got you. Randy is uh, coming back. He's been off for a couple of days. Yeah. He might not be as mentally sharp as... You I know, might not. He's he's uh he, and he doesn't have anything to you drink know. in his hand. I hands. had a little propeller. Oh, okay. while I was that. By the way, the bearded brain obviously did a fantastic job. I tried to keep it know. going. Yeah, yeah. I try. Proud of you. Yep. Did a Randy character style. Thank you. Ooh, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How you doing? All right. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. You ready? Ready. Here we go. Corey Seager has reached base safely three-plus times in five consecutive games. That ties the longest streak in, sing- in a single postseason in Major League Baseball history, which 2013 Red Sox set the mark against the Cardinals. Uh, seems like that would be David Ortiz. No. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. Come on, Mike. You're better than that. Make it the end. Albert Pujols is not the only Cardinal to have a six RBI game in a postseason in a postseason game. Which Cardinals outfielder also notched six in one game? Six RBIs in one postseason game. I will do the lifeline here, Brooke. I'm going to have a guess, but I'm not going to reveal my guess unless his name is on the list. Okay. Reggie Sanders, Larry Walker, or Lance Berkman? 
Okay, so I will uh, tell you that my guest was going to be Jim Edmonds. And so Reggie Sanders, Jim Edmonds, or Reggie Sanders, Lance Berkman, or Larry Walker. Is this with the Cardinals that he accomplished this feat? Yes. Okay. So Berkman, I'm going to go Reggie. I'm going to say that Reggie did it. One Cardinal has hit a Grand Slam in the World Series. Who was it? Ken Boyer. Final question. Kevin Hayes was drafted by the Blackhawks in the first round, but played the first four-plus years of his career with which Eastern Conference team? Hayes, yay. Um, <laughs> before he went to Winnipeg, I uh, it, he played with Philadelphia last. Hold on here. Let me think about this. Oh, Rangers. Rangers. All right, we have a winner in today's fight. Yo, what, what's going on over there? Just have to make sure a sounder's ready. Oh, Excuse me, Carrie. We, we all just stepped away. Mind. Well, it's I have to. I can't talk in the mic and uh, work need on the, yeah. the same thing. We need a longer microphone. You need one of those microphones with the cord. Just like yeah. skinny one, like a Bob Barker. <laughs> yeah. Ryder, please oh, make oh, that happen. Yes. That would make me insane. No, don't shake your head at me. Yeah. That would be amazing. Get a one. God, okay. Well, we have a winner in today's fight. Come on down. <laughs> Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. You heard Mr. Buck. That means Randy Carricker hit the jack in today's fight. I'm sorry, Jeff. You fall 4-2 to two in this edition of the fight. Uh, well, thanks anyways. No Thank problem. you very much. Thanks so much for joining the show. Corey Seager has reached base safely three-plus times in five consecutive t- games. That ties the longest streak in a single postseason in MLB history. I honestly couldn't believe when I saw this stat that Ortiz actually did all five games against the Cardinals. But, ladies and gentlemen, games two, three, four, five, and six. David well, Ortiz started walking them. Well, yes. And, and, and in fact, it's 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 uh, one of those games he has three hits. Two of those, uh, two of the games, or three of the games he has two hits and a walk. And then one game he has four walks. That was obviously the last game was of the World it. Series. <laughs> <laughs> Just put him on base. No, so no. it was in fact David Ortiz. I mean, it's unbelievable. Those five games he, he went to the, he got on base 17 times. Un- unreal. Albert Pujols is not the only Cardinal to have a six RBI game in a postseason game. It was in fact Reggie Sanders in the 2005 NLDS. He hit a Grand Slam, just one of three postseason Grand Slams in Cardinals history to uh, pace himself for that six RBI, but that was not in a World Series. The only Cardinal to hit a uh, Grand Slam in a World Series is, in fact, Ken Boyer. Randy, do you know which World Series it was? 1964. 1964. Today, on this day in 1964, in fact, Ken Boyer launched that four-run or round-tripper, the second ever by a National League player in World Series history to pace the Cardinals for an eventual World Series win. And Kevin Hayes drafted by the Blackhawks in the first round but played the first four and a half years of his career with which Eastern Conference team it was in fact the New York Rangers does anyone know he also has played for a Central Division team Winnipeg Jets eh? was in fact getting traded from the Winnipeg Jets uh, from the Rangers to the Winnipeg Jets for uh, one half of the season before he went off to Philadelphia so a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight again thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today Jeff Uh, thank you thank you Jeff Uh, by the way in that five game World Series Ortiz hit two home runs Stephen Drew hit one Johnny Gomes hit one. Those were the only home runs that 
the Red Sox got in that World Series. Ortiz drove in six. Mike Napoli drove in four, hitting 154 in the series. Shane Victorino drove in four, also hitting 154 in the series. And Gomes drove in three, hitting 118 in the series. They allowed Big Poppy to keep hitting. They didn't walk him. <laughs> he hit 688. His batting average in the series was 688. Jacoby Ellsbury was their number two hitter in the series, batting average of 250. He went four or uh, six for 24. Then Bogarts hit 238. Pedroia hit 208. David Ross hit 188. Drew 158. Napoli and Victorino 154. He was the only guy that was hitting, yet they kept pitching to him. Do you think analytics uh, uh, is against walking people? Oh yeah, yeah, it is putting people on yeah, base. Yeah, so therefore, is. you you just throw to them and yeah. let them well, hit or as many as possible. As BT mentioned many times during that series, you haven't seen my fastball, <laughs> <laughs> Randy. In, in Game Three, they walked him twice. The four hitter for the Red Sox was Daniel Nava. Why did you Why did you not walk him three or four times? Every why time. did you ever let him hit the ball in that game? It's unbelievable yeah. what he it did in that too series. Too much pride. I, I didn't yeah. think. I was like, no, he had a good 2013, but he didn't get all five against the Cardinals. Nope, games two through six. There it is. Yeah. Hit a lot of things happen in that series, but that was just bad. It was hmm. just bad. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Blues Poho Doug Armstrong is going to have a press conference to discuss the roster construction of the 2023-2024 Blues. It's coming up at 10 o'clock and we'll air it live here at 10 here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Baseball, last night the Twins take the lead in the series, or the Astros take the lead in the series against the Twins with a 9-1 route. Christian Javier with a terrific performance for Houston. Sonny Gray, a not-so-terrific performance for the Twins. And the final was 9-1. Meanwhile, the Rangers eliminated the Orioles, who had won 101 games during the regular season. Texas wins the series 3-0. Former Cardinal Adolis Garcia with a big three-run homer. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a bomb. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. And Nathan Evaldi, who, by the way, Brooke was on the Nathan Evaldi uh, I, bandwagon a long time ago. I was, because he, what was it, two years, $34 million, I believe, was his contract with the Rangers. That was definitely in the Cardinals' wheelhouse of what they could have gone starting mm-hmm. pitching-wise. Yeah, could have, should have. <sighs> He's got a postseason pedigree. And he goes seven innings. He's, he allows one run on five hits. Doesn't walk anybody. Strikes out seven. And he's a postseason stud. Ivaldi is. And the Rangers will play in the ALCS, presumably against a Houston team that's managed by Dusty Baker. The Rangers managed by Bruce Bochy. That's uh, that's four World Championships among those two managers. And that's why, to me, Bruce Bochy has been worth every single penny that the Rangers spent to get him there. Even if you looked at the way that he was able to turn things around, a 22-win turnaround for the Rangers this season, his first year as a manager, and guiding Texas to its first postseason appearance in seven years. And the biggest thing, too, is how he just navigated everything this season. This is why sometimes I don't like when the excuses of injuries come up, and I know that we heard some of the Cardinals say that this season. 
The Rangers went through a lot of different injuries this season. If you look specifically at your big pitcher that you signed, $185 million, just six starts into the season. He deals with a season-ending injury in DeGrom. And then you also had Max Scherzer acquired at the trade deadline, but then he was not available for this first series. He likely will be available possibly for this next series. But the way that he was able to navigate that and push the right buttons and then putting Mitch Garver in the three-hole and that working out, you saw it work out last night. He was able to spark things off, and then you saw Adolis Garcia follow up right afterwards. Being able to push the right buttons in those situations, that's where experience pays off. Having been there, done that, you're seeing that pay off in the postseason. I, you see that throughout history, but also right now in the playoffs, I think it's really key. And I like to what Max Scherzer, he was interviewed after the game last night by Ken Rosenthal. He talked about Bruce Bochy and how he thinks of him as a manager. I, I've gotten to play for, I'm so lucky. I've gotten to play for so many old school managers and, uh, you know, Bochy's this guy's own personality, you know, and he just, he, he's, he's never, you know, he never gets too high, never gets too low. He's, just, he's a calming presence. Uh and it's just the team vibes with that. You know, the team gets it, and he just he pushes the right buttons for us, and he gets us to play our best baseball. You think uh, players like playing for old school managers? Sounds oh, yeah. like it. Because yeah. it's <laughs> about people. Sounds it's, like it. It's not, they aren't expected to be robots. They're expected to be people. And old school managers, especially a, a guy like Bochi who played, and not to take anything away from Brian Snicker, who's been a manager yes. for 40 years, but they understand that occasionally a guy's going to show up with a hangover. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. And your your sheet won't tell you that. Uh, you, I ask that because if you are in upper management and you want a company that runs well, you you think that having people that work for you doing what they do best, having you know going about their day and having fun, enjoying their their work environment, it would make it easier to have more success than uh, not. Like yeah. Just just knowing exactly where you're going to be, what's going on. I was looking at it was interesting. I was looking. I wrote it down. I wish I could find that. Last week I was looking at this because we were talking about the Braves and how many games their their play, players had played uh, all season long. And so just the number of games that they played at the current position that they're playing in, they all played. Matt Olson played every game at first base. Yeah. How, how about that? Uh, Ozzy <laughs> Albies. Uh, um, not, uh, yeah, where am I at? Who oh, no. Uh, mm-hmm. Arcia. Yeah, Albies played all 148 yeah. at second base. Yep. Arcia played 139, all at shortstop. It's amazing how being familiar with your job and, and doing it every single day, how good you can become at it when you when you have yeah. more reps. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, that I think too buys into knowing your players. That's where that gut comes in. Knowing your players, know what works for them so that you know when to push the right buttons and having that trust and confidence built. I understand, you know, the competition. There's always competition, right? You always know that there's another guy coming up who is looking to take your job or there's even guys in the clubhouse who are ready to take your job right now, just waiting for the moment that you fail or you get injured to take your spot. But there's something also about just going out there and saying, no, you're my guy for this position. You're my guy for mm-hmm. this position. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Kind of like what they did. Remember what they did with Nolan Gorman and Dylan Carlson when they were talking about possibly trading them and how much that meant to them where it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about that in the back of my mind. Right. It is interesting, by the way, to go back to the Scherzer comment. He played for Bob Melvin as a rookie in Arizona. Then he goes to Detroit and he plays for Jim Leland. Then he goes to Washington where he plays for Dusty and also plays for a Joe Madden disciple in Davey Martinez. Then he goes to the Dodgers for that cup of coffee with Dave Roberts. But then he's with Buck Showalter and now uh, 
But Bruce Bochy, you talk about old school managers. That's like a, a gauntlet. That's a lot of that's a lot of World Series right there too. It it's is pretty cool. Experience yeah. pays off. It it has for those guys. And hey, it, it, it's interesting with a guy like. Brian Snicker, and this is taking nothing away from Ollie, but Brian Snicker has been a manager in the Brave system for 40 years. Ollie is 37 years old. Hmm. So there's, he's just got an experience there, edge. Yes. It, it's, it's just a fact. It's not that he's going to be any better or worse, but Snicker has an experience edge over pretty much everybody that he's managing against. You don't know what you don't know, but mm-hmm. it, it's important to have people that do know around you, people that can assist and, and, you know, help you, guide you, and be the person to push back on something if you're if you're doing something that, that may not make sense or, or may not be the right decision. Those are – it's invaluable. You have to have those people in your organization to help your manager, especially if he's a younger younger manager in the league just figuring things out. You, It helps him and it helps you. And building that trust. I just think about have you guys been following everything that has happened with the Blue Jays ever since that they've been oh, knocked yeah. out? The just Barrios. all the drama that has followed after Schneider's decision to take out Barrios. I mean, it has been Turning a on lot. Each other. Well, and then supposedly <laughs> now the reports are coming out of the clubhouse is that the players didn't agree. So if you're not on the same page about everything, I think that that says a lot too. And it sounds, I know that it's like, oh, well, duh, they all should mm-hmm. be communicating. But it doesn't seem like that. And if you're not communicating and everybody's not on the same page, it's easy to see how things fall apart. And, Brooke, you sent us an interesting piece about Rob Thompson taking out Ranger Suarez in the, yes. their first game. And he told everybody except Ranger Suarez yes. that he was yeah. going to take him out, the first sign of trouble. And they got so away they with it. They got spooked. lucky. Yeah. yeah. And, obviously, the guys in Toronto did it's wind communicating. up. Yeah. Yeah, except with everyone except for the guy that you don't want to be thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. you, hey, you going seven yeah. today. We're going to yeah. take him out. Yeah, we don't. Third yeah. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Hey, everybody, we don't trust him. Just don't tell him. <laughs> I hope that's Keep not it what secret. it was. I think that's what it was. I hope, that's yeah. not it was. I hope it was more along the lines of we do trust him, but we, we, won't, we only want him to do this. That's how, you, that's how you spin it if you're the coach. Yeah, right. No, we trust you. You know, we, oh we, yeah, that's the way you sell it. Yeah, but it's not true. You gotta make it. You gotta make him feel like it's true. Otherwise, you lose him for the yeah. rest of the and season. And I think that going back, that's another thing about old school managers. Look at the way Snicker treated Max Fried the other night when they came back and won. He, the, a lot of managers take Max Fried out after an inning or mm-hmm. an inning and a third. He gets an opportunity to get his pitches in. They allow him to get things straightened yeah. out. Then they're able to preserve the bullpen. And uh, I know a lot of people think that Philadelphia has an advantage to, uh, tonight. And we're, by the way, we're going to air the uh, Diamondbacks game. But uh, Philly plays at four o'clock against Atlanta. And who you I, got? I kind of like Bryce Elder and the Braves because their bullpen is more preserved. Mm. I like Philly. Nola's Nola's really yeah. good at home. Dangerous. It, I think that we thought it'd be a great series when it started, and I think it shapes up as a great series. Oh, and every it's game such shapes a great up. series. Yeah. Yes. And two old school guys, by the way, in uh, Rob Thompson of Philadelphia and Brian Snicker of Atlanta. All right, there's your rush hour reset. Brian uh, Robert Thomas, Blue Center, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the Opening Drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. 
on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. They will be in Dallas. And joining us now, as he did last year during the week and will again in 23-24, is Blues Center Robert Thomas. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. How do you like opening night of the NHL season? Is it just like any other game or is it special? No, it's uh, it's pretty special. Um, something everyone's always looking forward to. Um, you know, you don't, especially when you don't make the playoffs last year. It's it's been a long time since you've had a real game, and um, you know we're so excited about it. Robert, how did the bonding trip? I guess it's still technically kind of going on, but how did the bonding trip go for you guys? And what do you guys exactly do on these bonding trips to really help build up some more chemistry before the season starts? Yeah, it's really important to uh, have everyone together. Um, you know, away from, from everything and just have some time together. Um, you know, whether it's just sitting around the campfire or, or stuff like that, um, golf and different things just to have everyone together. It, it really helps chemistry on the ice. And, um, even just in practice yesterday and, and will be today, I, I, you can kind of see, see it coming along. So, uh, it's, it's super important. You mentioned golf there. I know that you participated in the Ascension Charity Classic. Honestly, who is the best golfer out of everybody on the team? Um, we've got some good golfers. Um, Schenner's pretty good. Um, Kapanen's probably probably my pick for the best right now. Hmm. He's, uh, he's kicked my butt a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert, we were talking to Jamie Rivers earlier, and he was explaining the difference of the defense this year. At The centers will be back more uh, in front of the net. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah, I like it. It uh, kind of allows the centerman to to read the play and be a little bit more loose in the D zone. Um, you know, if you see a pass going across the ice, you can kind of jump it, and you're kind of just supporting everywhere. So uh, I like it a lot. Now, does that mean you will be uh, blocking more shots? And if so, h- how do you prepare to block a slap shot? I'm intrigued okay. by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, our old system, we were never kind of around to block the shots. So um, our new one, we're we're trying, our wingers got to bail us out and get out quick enough so that I don't have to block a a big howitzer. (laughs) Hopefully hopefully it's just a nice wrist shot coming in. Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. And Robert, you mentioned earlier that uh, you missed the playoffs, and that seems to be a prevailing thought and theme with this team in training camp. How much of a motivating factor can that be that you didn't get to the postseason last year? Yeah, um, there's nothing more motivating than that. Um, You've seen the attitude from before training camp, during training camp, and now heading into the season, um, everyone's pissed off and everyone's motivated. So, um, I'm really excited about the start of the season. Robert, what is your prediction for your line mates? I know that possibly the lines could change, but so far you've been playing with Pavel Buchnevich and Jordan Cairo. What do you expect to see, or what should we expect to see from them this season? Yeah, I think uh, I think another step up for me and Cairo and, and Bucci to continue playing well, and I think he's got more to give too, so... Um, you know, we got a big task ahead of us this season, and uh, if we stay together for most of it, I think uh, I think we can produce a lot offensively, and as well as uh, you know, be good defensively against some of the other teams' top lines. You talked about Kasperi Kapan and, and his golf game. He got here late last year, along with Jacob Rana. Uh, what have you seen from him, Jacob, and Kevin Hayes in terms of really how they're adapting to the to the new team? Yeah, I think they fit in really well. I think. When you look at uh, Cappy and Verona, they got great speed. Um, they can literally fly on the ice, and uh, both got great shots. And um, 
you know, V's got a great one-timer on the power play and in zone. He, he can score from anywhere. Cappy can play 200 feet, and uh, he's strong at both ends. And Hazy as well just controls the play. Um, he's always in the play and slows it down. And, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be very good for us. So I'm really excited about those three. Now, Robert, in football, when we have training camps, it's two weeks of full pads uh, hitting one another. We, we kind of get sick of each other. And, and there are some fights that take place. Do you all <laughs> – does it get like that in training camp uh, with hockey? Uh, not, not, not to the extent of football, no. <laughs> uh, it gets a little chippy towards the end because guys just want to play games. But, um, yeah, not, not to the extent of that. So you haven't had a teammate that you just wanted to punch in the face one day? Because I, I have. I, I've just like, dude, I'm sick of you. You're sick of me. Let's just let's hash this out like men. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> hey, Robert. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch last night with the the opener between um, uh, Tampa and Nashville, but it was it was just odd seeing O'Reilly in that Nashville sweater. And you were always one of the people that went to the Ryan O'Reilly post practice school. What's what's his camp been like without him? And what, what's the adjustment been like for you because you were pretty tight with him? Yeah. Um... Obviously, it's different. I it looked weird and like the look <laughs> of him in Nashville, but um, yeah, I mean, something someone that I learned a lot from, and and we're still kind of carrying those out in a different way. So, um, wish him all the best. It it was tough watching it, but you know, he scored I think their first goal. So happy for him, and um, yeah, it's it's definitely a weird weird seeing him there, and it's going to be even weirder when we play him. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to ask you, uh, the biggest takeaway you have, and you spent five years with the guy, so uh, you had a lot of things to learn from him, but if there's one thing that you take away from your experience with, with number 90, what is it? Uh, I would say just preparation and consistency, I think, were the two things. Um, you know, day in, day out, his work ethic and practice and games, um, his preparation for practice and games, I think, um, would be would be my number one takeaway. Well, Robert, we're looking forward to tomorrow night. We're looking forward to a great season. Looking forward to talking to you every week. Thanks so much for the time, and go get them against the Stars. Yep, thanks, guys. Thank you. Robert Thomas, Blues Center, with us on 101 ESPN from Frisco, Texas, where the Blues are having a bonding trip. So I, I like that they do the bonding trip, and they have a campfire, mm-hmm. golfing. That's it? Did you guys ever have a bonding trip? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or their bonding evenings. It's literally all you need to bond. CD space. Brooke, Brooke, you don't need, you need a fire and golf uh, and some kind of beverage. That's all you need to have a bonding trip. There, there are no other requirements. Doesn't sound that exciting. We had a, we had a bonding trip after our uh, Super Bowl victory. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Went down to Atlanta and had a... Vi- a nice visited little... a few establishments. Oh, nice. Very nice. Giving back to the community. Giving back as well as Good. much as we can. <laughs> To yeah. those in need. <laughs> exactly. Uh, coming up, Nutty Neuters of New Nation Unite. Lars Newtbar joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Line toward left center. Tap on the run. Still going. That ball's gone. Another leadoff home run for Newtbar on after two innings. He'll face the top of the Cardinals order and Lars Nootbaar who homered to get things started. And a high fly ball. Welcome to the game Drew Smiley. Nootbaar has a two homer game. There's there a go. drive deep to right field. Smith and Jigba says goodbye. 
pepper grinder time. Newt Bar with a lightning bolt ties this game. Those calls from Chip Carey on Bally Sports during the season with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Carey Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we do welcome to the celebrity line Cardinals outfielder Lars Newtbar. Newt, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate that intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, Lars, thank you so much for coming on. As you know, I of course, I've told you this season that I've been spearheading your fan club here in St. Louis, the Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation, as you know. Um, but your fan club has gone international this season after playing for Team Japan. It felt like it just was like light speed, especially when you look at Instagram. You went from like, what, 30,000 followers to over a million. What has that been like for you? That whole, I guess, two to three weeks of that WBC, um, that was pretty crazy. But the best part about it was, like you said, like my, um, I guess, like my social media was was going so crazy that it kind of made me um, get off of social media and get off my phone. So honestly, it was uh, it was nice and kind of relaxing because I wasn't really checking or updating or, or anything on, on my phone. So, um, but after the fact, with everything. That- was uh, pretty hectic. Lars, you're, you finished up your third season. You had the WBC last season. You all made the playoffs. This season wasn't as great of a year. What have you mm-hmm. learned in that year span about yourself and, and what you need to do going forward? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot. Um, I, you know, obviously individually, you know, um, you know, faced some, some injuries and stuff this year. But I think also as a team and, and as a member of the, the Cardinals, I think you can't, you can't take winning for granted and you can't take success for granted. I think, uh, you know, I think the St. Louis community is, is, has been, uh, you know, used to just winning. And I think we, we, as, we as the athletes, you know, we felt the same way. But I think, um, you know, you, you understand after this season that you got to put in the work. And no matter if you have the Cardinals and the birds on the bat across your chest that, um, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And, and so, um, you know, we as the players need to go out there and starting, in, you know, starting this offseason, going into the spring, realize that, you know, nothing's going to be handed to us. And, you know, we got to go out and put our best foot forward. Lars, kind of off of that, what was the feeling in the clubhouse at the end of the season there? And what was the message from Ali Marmol about things moving forward? Yeah, I think it was just, it, it was mainly, obviously, you know, disappointment, you know, amongst the players, you know, that we, we didn't we didn't do what we wanted to do. Um, it was it was unfortunately kind of uh, um, kind of foreseen for, for, you know, about a month prior. So, you know, you could kind of, you know, get to that point, obviously, at the end of the season and understand where, where we're going to be. But, um, yeah, with Ollie, it was just, you know, the message was, listen, this is unacceptable. And, uh, you know, we're not, this isn't who we are. And next year, we better come in with the mindset that, you know, we're going to win and, um, you know, that, that this is this is kind of a fluke of a season and, and we're going to come in and, and be ready and expect to win. And, and, you know, he was kind of saying that. And I think we as players, you know, kind of understood that. And you know, he wanted to make sure that he was getting to us that this isn't who we are and, and next year is going to be a completely different story. Lars, we as players generally put the, the onus on ourselves to play better when things aren't going well. So what would you put your – could you could put your finger on one thing or, or a few things. What do you think went wrong this season for you all? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of everybody, but for me, I just think I, I – you know, personally, I think I disappointed a lot of people in that, you know, I spent some time on the IL and, and wasn't, you know, available all the time. And, um, you know, when I was playing, I just didn't feel like I, I was – you know, able. You know, there was a small stretch there where I felt like I was playing all right, but you know, I just feel like I didn't play up to you know what, what what my standards were, and you know, so I feel like 
personally, I know that there's a lot of things that I got to work on this offseason. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it because I'm coming into this offseason knowing that that next year is going to be a much better player. But, you know, I can't really say exactly. I, I think uh, from the start it was kind of tough, you know, and then we didn't we didn't really build any momentum like we wanted to. But, you know, again, I can't speak on behalf of the whole team. It's just me. I know me personally, I was disappointed with myself. One thing about you personally, though, Lars, is not that you ever figure it out in baseball, right? But it seems like things kind of clicked for you in July and August. You have a 969 OPS in July, and then before you get hurt in August, you have a 984. What was the difference there? What had you, quote, unquote, figured out? Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of consistency, you know, with my at-bats and stuff like that. That was right at the All-Star break, too. So I went home and, and worked on a few things, which was nice. Um, same thing with the year before. I go into those all-star breaks and try to take advantage of that time off. But, um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think at that point, you know, I'd come back from my thumb and my back or whatever, and so I was kind of having consistent at-bats and being able to implement things during the games that, you know, that I wanted to. But, um, unfortunately, like you said, you know, it, I kind of had a little contact injury there that kind of slowed me down a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the all-star break is always a big one for me. Uh, who who came up with that phrase for that injury? <laughs> I was going to ask that. That was a, that's a great name for it. <laughs> what did you say for the injury? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's just one that I thought of on this on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one. Painful. Every male Cardinal fan when you did that said, "Ooh." Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say every every man could could relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> well, Lars, I wanted to ask you about there will be some Japanese. players players making the move over to Major League Baseball this coming season. Two of the big names that everybody is watching right now will be Yoshi Yamamoto and Shota Imanaga. And I know that you have played with them, obviously, in the WBC. What can you say about them? And is there anybody that you could kind of compare them to currently in Major League Baseball? Put me on the spot here. Imanaga, uh, I mean, I actually both both players, I guess, everybody, you know, here was able to see them because, you know, because of the WBC, which is really cool. Um, Imanaga is obviously left-handed, and, and, you know, he's kind of a I, – I don't, I don't really know. I mean, they're both, like, command guys with plus stuff, I would say. Um, I just saw Yoshinobu just won the uh, triple crown over there in Japan. He won, I think, you know, the ERA strikeouts and wins, and I think he also had the highest winning percentage, too. Um, that's my boy. I'll talk to I was talking to him a little bit yesterday. Uh, that's that's my guy. So, uh, but no, I mean these guys are these guys are both you know extremely talented and extremely you know nasty pitchers. And so I'm just excited. I want to see uh, I want to see um, you know who, where they land and you know what they get and you know everything like that. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan just like everybody. But um, I truly believe those are two arms that that can come in and help a, a major league team right away. Lars, have you told uh, Yoshi about that we have a free zoo here in St. Louis and T-Ravs <laughs> and Emo's Pizza and a lot of other great things here in St. Louis? I know. I told him about the toasted ravioli. I said, you know, we got, you know, depending on where you are, you know, there's good food and walking distance everywhere. Uh, you know, it's humid just like Japan gets too, so we can fight I was trying to, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do my thing for the St. Louis community for sure. <laughs> hey, Lars, are you watching any of the playoffs? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm locked in. I, I, as an observer, I just feel like September and then October are, are almost a different sport. As you went down the stretch, especially in the hunt in 2022 and the, the couple of postseason games, did it feel different, and if so, how? 
Uh, yeah, de- yeah. No, you're you're definitely right. And uh, you know, when you're when you're leading down in September, it's it's almost like you're playing for it, you know. But then, you know, last year obviously we won the division and we had some time off, and it's weird, man. Once you once you clinch that division, your your spot's pretty much set in the in the National League. You're kind of playing the, that next week or ten days or whatever it is, just to line yourself up perfectly for that October, and then. You know, like we've seen, you know, this year and also last year with us, like all hands are on deck, any game possible. Um, you know, there is no off days or down for a bullpen arm or anything like that. So it, it, it's just intense, uh, you know, just win the, the moment, win the pitch, win this, win now as opposed to winning the 162. So the mentality changes as a team and the mentality changes, I think, as a coaching staff too. And so, um, you know, it's bizarre, but that's what's great about sports is that, um, you know, the 162 is great and all, but then once you come into the playoffs and the lights are on, that's when it really matters. Lars, are you going to take over being the commissioner of the Fantasy Football League? I heard Adam Wainwright chirping you on the broadcast last night a little bit about it. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a low blow by Wainwright. What he failed to mention was that I was I was the highest scorer of the week this past week on Fantasy Football, so... I thought it would be a good time for me to text Wayno, but uh, unfortunately, uh, he still decided to, to say that about me. And no, I, I, I do not. I do not think I'll be taking over the commissioner role. I think somebody more responsible, um, like Goldie or, or somebody like that, should probably take it over. They should, probably shouldn't leave it in my hands. Yeah, especially if you're a commissioner of a league where Tommy Pham is one of the players. No, 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 no. That's a different one. That's a different one. That's I know. You just don't want to be that commissioner. So, uh, hey, Lars, before we let you go, make a case for me for your USC Trojans to be in the college pl- uh, football playoff, one of the final four. Why can they be? I, hey, listen, they're, they're, they're defensive. They're, they're front four. They're front seven. You know, they have, like, the most tackles for loss in, in the country. They have a lot of QB pressures, QB sacks. So the front seven, listen, I'm not going to deny that, that that secondary on the defense isn't, isn't the greatest probably in the nation. But what I will say is Caleb Williams might be the best college quarterback I've ever seen. He's really good. And, yeah. And that's coming from a two-time All-State quarterback, you know, right here, right here himself. <laughs> and, so, and so, uh, but, no, I mean, he, he is true. I mean – Honestly, I don't know how many losses we have if we have, you know, a normal Heisman winning quarterback on our team. Like, I think he's that good. And so, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as we, we you know, figure out that secondary, I think we got the greatest quarterback in the past, like, decade, you know, leading us. And, you know, we all know in college football how important that is. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, we got a couple weeks. Obviously, we got I think we got Notre Dame this upcoming week, so that's going to be tough. But, um, yeah, man, the Trojans, a good time to be a Trojans fan for sure. And do you think – because I, I truly believe this, with NIL and the money from NIL, that city cares so much about that college program. I think USC is the scariest program in the country because of the, the people that actually work in the name, image, and likeness industry liking as much football as they do there. Yeah, no, it, for sure. And being as, as like, res, you know, I guess, like, resourceful as USC can be with this NIL, it is an advantage. And what's crazy is that, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams making – three, four million dollars a year. I know he came out and said in that GQ article that he would stay if, if the situation isn't right. But um, I think it's going to be good for the sport in general because you're going to have guys that aren't feeling pressure of leaving early because they're making so much money in, in college football. And I think the product, you know, is only going to benefit. And it's going to make people that, you know, kind of iffy about going, 
be financially stable for a little bit and and do kind of what they want, what their heart desires. And so, um, yeah, I mean, but as for USC, I'm I'm happy. We got him and and Bronny James, who are two of the most highly paid athletes in, in all of college sports on one campus, which is pretty good. That's pretty cool. Hey, we are proud members of uh, the the group that Brooks started. We're the Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation. Yes, <laughs> president and CEO right here, and the fan I base appreciate continues that, to grow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lars. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a great day, and uh, safe travels to Japan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. That's Lars Newtbar with us on 101 ESPN. You see, this is this is the right fan club to be a part of. Totally. We will always take in members. There's not much you have to do. Maybe you just throw me a Lars Newt Bar fact, and you are immediately a nutty neuter okay. of Newt Nation. I already got a text in saying I don't like that name. Sorry about it. Either yeah, you're, right n- either you're nutty now. about him yeah. or you're not. Right. So <laughs> it, it ain't changing. It no. ain't changing. No. And what uh, it is. here's the thing. It's like two, two-time California all-state quarterback. Pretty darn, yes. darn good. Yes. Yeah. Ready? What did he call the Eddie head? <laughs> he called it contact injury. <laughs> oh, buddy. That was yeah. a... Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's making hard contact, oh, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, <laughs> the Vikings don't look like they're going anywhere in 2023. So who should be calling them about their free agent to be quarterback, Kirk Cousins? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Don. Bob's Tire and Auto Centers. I'm sure teams will start calling and asking, and and I'm sure it will perk their ears up. Uh, How that plays in the locker room, no one really knows, but um, it's not a place you'd want to be. Like, I don't think anybody foresaw them starting this poorly and now losing Jefferson uh, to me, that, 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 it, I'm not sure that you overcome that. That is ESPN's Jeff Saturday talking about the possibility of the Vikings trading free agent to be quarterback Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings are one and four. Doesn't look like they're going to be a playoff team this year. And there are two teams that could really use Kirk Cousins. Now, let's lay some ground rules down here because if you are one and four, or you're a bad two and three, you don't need Kirk Cousins because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So there's no reason to trade for him. The reason that you trade for him is because you have good players that surround him and or surround a quarterback, and he is a guy that could lift you to quarterback status. Now, then he would have to play big games for you. So what we're talking about is getting to the playoffs. There are two teams that I see in the league, one in the AFC and one in the NFC. One just lost their quarterback. They're the Indianapolis Colts. I know they have Gardner Minshew, but Kirk Cousins is better and more established Mm -hmm. than Gardner Minshew, and he would be a good fit, especially with Jonathan Taylor coming back in Indy. The one team that I see in the entire league that could use him to help them make the playoffs is the Atlanta Falcons. They've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, tight end. They've got a wide receiver. They've got a running back. They've got an offensive line. They don't have a quarterback. That's and, a good one. and he would be a great fit there. That's a good one. Uh, I thought about the Jets as well. Even you know, with with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, I thought that that could be a potential where you know that's a team that is ready to make some noise in the NFL. They Zach Wilson is probably not the one to help mm-hmm. make that noise. So that's another thing. But I like the Falcons, and I I hadn't thought about the Colts with the injury to, to Anthony Richardson. My only question there would be, he's going to be Richardson is going to be injured for four to six they weeks. See four to six, yeah. So what do you do when he comes back? Are you just going to say, okay, we'll have these three quarterbacks on the roster, Gardner Minshew, um, 
Tyler, uh, Kirk Cousins, Cousins and, and Anthony Richardson. Are you going to have all three of those guys on the roster with Anthony Richardson, who is your first-round draft pick, sitting out and watching? My thing is, I, I, when Richardson comes back, I want to be in the hunt. Yeah, but it, that's my question. Now he's going to be on the bench because you're not going to bench Kirk Cousins for Anthony Richardson when he returns. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it's a good problem to have. It is. I don't know if that – we we just barely got Jim Irsay to pay <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That took a minute. He'll, he'll play, pay the quarterback. Though. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, CD. Jets was the first one that I yeah. thought of and jumped out to me because, remember, there was even some talks early on with the Aaron Rodgers injury that possibly the Jets could be interested, but then that went away. But now – now in the situation, the Jets are two and three right now in a really tight AFC race. Do you look at that as a possibility? To me, it makes sense to have Kirk Cousins with the Jets. We already got a text in. What do you guys think about the Cowboys? He's not going to Dallas. No, Jerry it? Jones yeah. is is stuck on old Dak Prescott. He he believes what he believes, and so he's not going to he's not going to. Dallas. If the Cowboys are going to make a move at quarterback, they're going to play Trey Lance. I don't think he would play before Cooper Rush. Well, they, or or rush, yeah. uh, but you're you're right about Jerry Jones being all in on Dak, yes. and you you have to look at the political game here because you have Prescott under contract. You ha- you gave Rush a contract too, and I I wonder if their cap would allow them to to even go and pursue a guy like Cousins. We had another text in talking about the Patriots being a possible landing spot. What about that as a fit? Because the Bill Belichick era, I think, is being tarnished right now because of what you're seeing with Mac Jones. And that's obviously not working out if you bench him two games in a row. Would Kirk Cousins fit into that situation? Because, as we know, Bill Belichick likes good, established quarterbacks. Well, he liked one. He liked he one. had one for a long time. That's yeah. why he's established. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if the Patriots at one and four do they have enough left no. to have him come in and turn things around, and they don't have enough other players either. Kirk Cousins isn't going to elevate the players. They, here's the th- look at mm. you. We've watched the Patriots. Who on the Patriots' offense scares you? That's what I'm saying. That, you, yeah. Kirk Cousins goes from throwing to Justin Jefferson to who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that would be the question that he would yeah. ask. I think. One of the issues that, you know, when you were talking about Kirk Cousins prior to the season and his contract expiring, there were more teams then than there are now. I think prior to the season, you would have looked at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and said, (laughs) okay, possibly. But Baker Mayfield, he's playing okay. You would say maybe the Washington Commanders, but they probably aren't going to make the playoffs in that division behind Dallas and Philly. So so why waste your time doing that? Um, The the Chicago Bears aren't going to win anything. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, I think they're, they pay Geno, so they're not going to do mm-hmm. anything. So I think that the number of teams has has gone down. But the the that that Atlanta Falcons team. Now let me ask you this: What about Derek Carr in the New Orleans Saints? What 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 would you if Derek Carr he, he was injured? He's been injured. He's gotten a couple of injuries. Mm-hmm. If he were to go down. For an extended period of time. Do I like Cousins better than Jameis? Oh, yeah. Yes. I do. Yeah. And But I wonder— no, And Derek Carr isn't lighting the world on fire right now. I, I know they won't trade, you know, because of mm-hmm. that. But it's a, it's a few teams that you can look at and say, maybe— we talked about maybe Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know about don't that know. with Tennessee. They're still in the they're still in the division. Well, yeah. the big thing is with these teams. Whenever you're trading a veteran quarterback in midseason, a lot of it comes down to how much pressure is the front office under. For example, I think that Douglas and Sala are under pressure to win in New York, and 
They they might need to. Obviously, Rand Carthon, the new GM mm-hmm. in Tennessee, isn't going anywhere. Right. And Vrabel probably isn't going anywhere. And they dra- when you draft a, a quarterback like they drafted Levis, the front office understands. Hey, it's going to be a year. He's going to we're going to get him ready. I don't think that they have any reasonable expectations of winning the Super Bowl this year. Right. If I were the Titans in this situation, and we're talking about Kirk Cousins, I would sooner play Levis and have him more ready for next yeah. year than go out and get a guy who's going to be a free agent after this year. At some point, inevitably, it happens every year. There's going to be a starting quarterback that goes down for a good team for an mm-hmm. extended period of time, and that's when Kirk Cousins will probably get traded. Yeah. If it's before the trade deadline. I, you know, you're looking at a team, Tua, and you don't want to say anything bad, but mm-hmm. if Tua were to go down, that would be – a, a great landing spot, but it's going to be something. It, it's just it's football. Somebody may get injured, and then you'll see Kirk Cousins uh, on the move well, and to another city. Mayfield has been hurt before, and Tampa Bay's in first in their division, so yeah. that that would be one. It's if, a possibility. And Baker has has the history of getting hurt. Tua has the history of getting hurt. So yeah, there's there's some teams out there that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I was going to say we got back to back Texans saying Steelers. Kirk Cousins. Uh, <laughs> sign me then. <laughs> Anything else but that. Yeah. So he'll he'll probably get moved. It'll be interesting. And the, the other interesting thing will be if he does. I I should say there's a possibility he'll be, get moved. But if he does, who plays quarterback for the Vikings? It's not like they drafted the replacement. Uh, they uh they have Hendon Hooker. I think he's on their roster. Is he there? Yeah. Okay. Well, then they're fine. The the Tennessee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Volunteer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then. They drafted him in the fourth round this year. Is that right? Fourth or fifth round. Uh, let him play. Nick Mullins is their backup. Jaron Hall. I wonder if Hooker's on IL. Didn't they draft Hooker? Um, or was the Cleveland? Right. I, don't, uh, I don't remember where he was. He's with the Lions. Yes. Lion, Detroit, oh, it's the okay. Lions. Okay. Yes. Okay, so Nick That's Mullins. And then, remember, he got injured AFC, towards the AFC, end AFC, of his career at yeah. Tennessee, so yeah. that was a bit of a recovery time. They've got last year's BYU quarterback, Jaron Hall, Oh yeah, that guy. Oh. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Yeah, he, he said was that guy. Yep. Yeah, that guy who uh, followed <laughs> Zach, and, Zach Wilson, and, and then Nick Mullins stumped. has been around the block a little bit. <laughs> Nick so, Mullins has yeah, been it, 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 you're tanking. If you are the Vikings and you trade Kirk Cousins, you are tanking. And then you just sit out uh, Justin Jefferson for the rest of the year. Yep. Right. You need to come back. Rock and roll coming your way to head down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. If you want to hear the Lars Newtbar interview again, you can by going to the app or... The website, 101ESPN.com. Listen to our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. And, of course, if you want to watch us on the YouTube, all you need to do is go to YouTube.com, type in 101ESPN-STL. You can subscribe and like our channel. And we're brought to you by Air Alliance, the Air Alliance team. So if you're watching right now, you're seeing me do a Vanna for the Air Alliance team. Oh. Yeah. So the well. Air Alliance You got to do, like, the full hand movement. Oh, yeah. Okay, here just... we go. Wow. Thank Beautiful. You. How about Stunning. That? Hey, she's made a great career out of that. She really has. Congratulations to her. Yeah. She made a lot of money. She yeah. did. She should be the new host. <laughs> when she does it. Yeah. She made good money and she was underpaid compared to what Pat Sajak was making. It was ridiculous. How much How was much she was making? She was making, I, I, I mean, it was a lot like less than Pat, Pat Sajak, who was, I mean, I'm not saying she was making bad money. I'm just saying. 
It was, there was this, a big difference. It was a big yeah. difference, and it's not like Pat's job was hard. You don't know how hard that is. Stop, come on. He didn't have to get into an evening gown that every R-S-T-L-N-E. day. R-S-T-L-N-E. True, right there. Have to say and right week. there. A thousand. Yeah. Oh, no. You had a good yeah. run going. Oh, God. The, the, I mean, the ad-libbing he had to do on that show when somebody hit bankruptcy. Woo-wee. Sorry, we already had yeah. that letter. Randy, you missed Monday and Tuesday, and that was really sad because it was. Yeah, I wanted you to tap dance on the graves of the Patriots and the Cowboys. It would have been a per. I could have given you two full segments just to dance on Jerry and Belichick's grave, and it would have been fantastic radio. But we didn't have. I mean, come on, George Kittle pulled up a shirt that said "F Dallas" during that that. game. Come on, a little old school, little uh, football Cardinals. Uh, Terry Metcalf T-shirts school that said uh, the, the Cowboys eat bird blank. Yeah, which was great. Uh, awesome. What yeah, better I, Monday I for you that. to be so here? The, yeah, I, I love the fact that not only did the 49ers just thump Dallas, but then Debo Samuel said, yeah, if you play us again, it might be worse. And here's what I'm going to get to. Micah Parsons not too happy with George Kittle. He was the first one to come out and and uh, issue kind of a. A, a rematch request mm-hmm. with the 49ers. He did. I promise. Yeah, he did. He no, did. He did. By the way, everybody wants a rematch with the uh, New England Patriots now. Oh, e- yeah. Even the Jets. You know, I, for me, this is like um, stirred up drama. It, it, you got y'all got thumped. Like you had an <laughs> opportunity. And now it's personal. It wasn't personal when it was twenty-eight to ten. Like it, it wasn't personal when it <laughs> yeah, was forty. Like at what point? It what? It didn't get personal until he raised his shirt up and said, uh, uh, "Duck Phallus." That that's mm-hmm. what his shirt said. Mm-hmm. That's when it became personal. Until then, it was not. It, come yeah. on, man. Nobody care about all that. You had a chance to go hit the guy in the game. Right. Exactly. Why? Why? Why do they do what? this afterwards, man? I, that, I don't. I don't like. I think the best because you can't really say, yeah, they're way better than us. You just shut your mouth. You don't say anything. No, don't say anything. Laugh now, cry later. No, no, (laughs) they're laughing and they're going to be laughing all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Dallas is not that good. The game of the year is going to be Philadelphia and San Francisco. Yes. We're all right, sorry about that. For some reason, Audition decided that it was just wasn't ever going to play any of the audio that I had. So here was Micah Parsons talking about George Kittle. George Kittle had three touchdowns on us, and he posted this thing to IG. He said, F Dallas. I just feel like he's making it more, way more personal than it had to be. Kittle's my guy, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. That's cool. Debo Samuel was then on a podcast yesterday, and he said, oh, no, it was already personal. Don't worry about that. 42 to 10, I don't think you want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. Yep. That's what I like. It's personal now. Bro, they punched y'all in the face. It should have been personal on Sunday night. What are we talking about? George Kittle, I mean, he scored three touchdowns, but it's personal after he raised up his shirt and said F Dallas. No, it was personal. (laughs) When they stepped, that's the problem, in my opinion. When the 49ers stepped into the stadium, it was personal at that point. And maybe that's the mindset that that team has going into every game. And maybe that's the mindset that Dallas needs to have going into a game. It's already personal. Ain't no friends. And by the way, uh, with, with that being personal, I th- think it probably was personal. It's personal for every other team in the league because now the world is finding out. We've known it here for a few years because of my math abilities sure. that uh, Bill Belichick is a fraud and uh, he's a, he's a 100% product of Tom Brady. So how would you describe the era now, the Bill Belichick era? Just Bill- overall body of, pro- of work. Overall including? 
Yeah. Uh, or even towards the end yeah. here. Do you think that what we're seeing now is more indicative of what who he really is? Yes, I do. In terms of picking players and coaching them up, yes, I think this is more indicative of, of who he is. Now, he had a really good front office. Remember in Cleveland, yes. he had Ozzie Newsom to go out and get uh, uh, Vinny Testaverde for him. And things were a little bit different. Doesn't have that now. And so, yeah, I think this is probably who he is. Might not be who he is as a coach, but it certainly is who he is as a general manager. Mm -hmm. Speaking of coaches, maybe getting a little personal, college coaches, uh, they just keep stepping over the line. And it's been a weird season, and they just keep having weird press conferences and weird quotes. Mark Stoops did his radio show, and fans were not happy after they got drubbed by Georgia. And so Stoops had a response. You know, the, the other side, if you want to do that, it's playing, complain, deny, or make excuses and we're not going to do that you know it is what it is and uh you know fans have that right i i give it to them it you know i just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing and and uh in uh yeah, i could promise you in georgia they, they bought some pretty good players you're allowed to these days and uh we could use some help that's what they look like you know what i mean when you have 85 of them so so uh i encourage uh Anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. Uh, coach, I, I think that your people are, uh, first of all, they've, they've bought basketball players for a year. Oh, man. But there's nothing wrong with buying players. Like you said, it's legal. But so the way you put, just, put it on the fans. The way he puts, you get drubbed 51 to 13, and you go, listen, if you guys just donated a little bit more, we'd be fine. Yes, I, college coaches fine. Are, are on a different just a different wavelength this year and it's annoying but i'm kind of here for it it's never going to be fine it's just not i mean you (laughs) there are i I wish people would understand this man there are the haves and the (laughs) have-nots and most of us are in the have-nots how how many schools what it is it is how many schools get have-nots in both sports not a lot or get to be haves in both sports not a lot no no not at all not many probably a handful uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you. That's our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Brooke, this was fun. Thanks for getting new. <laughs> How about that? How about that? How about that? What are we laughing at? Because you said audio engineer, and then some random music just started. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no. It's okay. Buttons do their own thing sometimes. These Some stuff happen off camera, and it can stay I, off camera. I, Carrie, I, all right? No. no. Your facial expressions Hey, if are, I got called hilarious. out for my yeah. hungry stomach yesterday, you can deal with it, Rock. Yes. That was, that was also <laughs> hilarious. It was about time that happened. That was also hilarious. Good. Uh, CD. Show your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We're going to have the Doug Armstrong press conference coming up in just a moment, uh, talking about the Blues roster. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.